Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty, R.E. Lewis 2011, and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 38 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty. Today, it is Saturday, April 6th, about 5 p.m., and I'm here with my forever co-host and brother-in-law, Ryan. How you doing? Good, good. We uh, we went to play golf this morning. Top golf to be top golf. Top golf. Yeah, top golf. Mm-hmm. And we thought it was twenty five dollars per person. It's twenty five dollars per hour per group. So it's like five dollars per person if you go with five people. Yeah, something like a bowling alley lane. You get that one spot for a whole hour for only twenty five bucks, which is really cheap. Yeah, that's half of the price of a ticket. So we walked movie. out of there with a heck of a good time for what fifty bucks. Yeah. Because I, you, it's like a $5 lifetime membership. Mm-hmm. And you get like this little card or you can just use your phone number um, or your, your brain chip. And brain chip. you get in for, for essentially free or you pay the hourly rate. But really good fun, good stuff. If you haven't been to Top Golf, basically it's a driving range. But they make a game out of it where we played a game where it was essentially they have like five different holes. Top score. Each di- have different point values associated with them and multipliers. So I think if you hit in multiple holes your scores multiplied by a certain degree yeah so there's like holes that are closest to you that have like a multiplier of one as you go back a little further two three four six eight and ten mm-hmm. and ten being the farthest and that's about like a 200 yards out um so <coughs> basically you try to hit the furthest one but if you suck at golf like we do um you try to hit one of them yeah yeah it was good fun. We had, we had a good time. We went back to the house, celebrated your dad's birthday, mm-hmm. ate a lot of meat. Oh, so much meat. <laughs> you ate like half a cow Yeah, a couple of chickens. So we had like a T-bone steak, um, some chicken, some oven-roasted potatoes, onion-roasted potatoes, not oven-roasted. Mm. I've been calling it the wrong thing my entire life, so today is uh, well, oven monumental. Roasted, oven-roasted potatoes are a thing. Are they? Of course they are. Well, apparently it's called onion roasted on the packet. Whatever. Don't listen to Betty Crocker. Whore my mom. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Ryan and I took two weeks off of the podcast. We're back to our normal selves. I think after the three-episode craziness that was the March Madness bracket, we kind of needed to take a, a break because there were, those were some ridiculously long Tolkien. Like we gave Peter Jackson a run for his money with these three-and-a-half-hour episodes we needed yeah. a break, honestly, and so we're back to our normal kind of schedule, if you will. We have a great main topic for all you fine folks. We're going to do games we've been playing recently, as we usually do. Got a lot of questions this week, which is great, particularly related to the topic that we're going to be discussing at the back half of the show. So if you've been living under a rock for a while, you wouldn't know that the Game of Thrones Season 8 premiere airs next Sunday, April 14th. Ryan and I are super jazzed about it. I binged the entire series over the past month and a half, and I'm you really did. I'm in love. I yeah. absolutely love the show. It's Ryan and I will get to it, but it's ridiculous that a show like this was was televised, and it wasn't an actual movie because the production values are through the roof and pirated, a crap ton. Yeah, that's right. I think it's the most pirated thing of all time. I don't doubt that at all. But I'm actually going to start reading the books uh, because Lauren and I have the first five. George R. R. Martin, get on writing the sixth book, please, before you literally kick the bucket. Croak. 
and yeah, go the way of the Ned should be a good time. <laughs> we'll get to that. So yeah, definitely spoiler warning if you've not seen the show, read the books, if you have any intentions of doing so. Ryan and I will be sure to warn all you guys before we get into that. But we're gonna try and do a quick synopsis of the series, get into our favorite you know uh, characters, episodes, and then really predict what we can expect from season eight because this show is wildly unpredictable. Really, some of your favorite characters die. Some of your least favorite characters continue living. We'll get to it. Yes. But Ryan and I, since it's been two weeks, we have some stuff we want to talk about. We have a few things. We saw a few movies. Yeah, so it was my birthday two weeks ago, and that's also kind of why we didn't record, because we were just doing a whole bunch of stuff with the family, and then that Sunday, we went and saw us, Jordan Peele's follow-up to Get Out. Yes. And so Ryan was a little terrified. Of course, I think most people, if you saw any of the trailers, you would have been going into this film. And honestly, I had no idea what to expect. Get Out was wildly successful, of course. Jordan Peele's debut in directing. Uh, I think a horror movie is is a weird genre to make your debut, but he's been incredibly successful. He's also the uh, the host for the new Twilight Zone reboot. Yeah, it which looks really good too. I heard is really great stuff. So, Ryan, going into Us, what were you expecting? What were you thinking? I had no idea. Well, because Get Out, I had no idea what to expect because the trailers look crazy. And what we got out of Get Out is just even worse. So spoilers for Get Out mm-hmm. and Us right now. So Get Out was like the transfer of white people's consciousness into black people because black people were seen by the white people or Asian people as better or stronger and faster, mm-hmm. like the Kanye song. So exactly, um, yeah, really freaking screwed up concept. But it was just—it <laughs> was brilliantly told. It was very. There was so much humor infused in the movie that made this ridiculously terrifying concept. Uh, less unsettling than it actually was, especially the the TSA agent friend that was kind of his... Uh, oh, he was one of the best parts. His little companion that he'd call and be like, dude, this this is seriously really effed up stuff. And he was like, you better get out of there. He was just hilarious, especially at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't seen Get Out, check that out. But us, of course, if you've listened to the show for any amount of time, you know I'm a very big horror buff ever since seeing Pet Cemetery at age six. Thanks, Mom. By the way, really excited to see the reboot. Yes. Lauren's going out of town for work on Wednesday. And Joker. Joker looks great, too. We'll get to that. Uh, Lauren's going out of town for work Wednesday, and I think I'm going to pop over to the local theater and see it because it has a, like, discounted price or whatever. So when the wifey's away, Rusty watches horror movies that she otherwise wouldn't watch with me. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so going into Us, I was very, very excited because, of course, I love Get Out. I was... I had no idea what to expect from this movie, and I'll paint the picture first, and then Ryan will go, and I will get into spoilers. So if you watch the trailer, I'm not spoiling anything here, you see this this family of people, they're in this vehicle, this car, chilling, they're going on vacation, they're on the beach, and the boy runs to go to the restroom, and he starts walking, and he looks to his left, and he sees this man with his arms stretched out, kind of in this rugged, old, gross jacket, and he's kind of just staring off into the distance. And this young boy is like, has he's perplexed. And he's this young boy. If you see this guy, his hand, blood's dripping from his hands. What's what's happening here? The parents start freaking out. They find the boy, and then I kind of there's a jump in the trailer to basically, it's late at night, and I think the wife spots a family in the driveway, and the father is like, what are they? What are they doing? 
So he goes out and says, like, hey, get off my property, whatever. And then he gets the, this baseball bat and says, hey, if you want to get crazy, we can get crazy. Yeah. <laughs> And then the, the female, who it appears to be a female because it's dark out, she, like, snaps her fingers and everyone scurries off. And the father, or this 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 man starts walking towards, uh, you know, the father in the movie. He goes back inside. And then it's just this montage of really crazy scenes where these people with scissors, these people in these red jumpsuits, just absolute chaos. You really yes. have no idea what's going on. And that's, of course, how Jordan Peele people into wanting to watch this movie the picture set the scene is set if you've not seen us and you intend to skip ahead maybe five to eight minutes whoa what a roller coaster ride this movie was so there's <laughs> yeah. definitely a there's a lot of sixth sense moments in this you know at the end when you figure out that the you know bruce willis was dead the whole time so the first one is well, you find out that, you know, when it's late at night and this family, well, let's backtrack. Let's go to the very beginning, Ryan. The very beginning of the film, there's this young girl at a carnival with her, yes. presumably parents. Her father wins her this this thriller shirt and Michael Jackson's thriller. She puts it on. The dad is playing whack-a-mole. The mother needs to go to the restroom. So she basically says to the father, watch her daughter. And he's like, yeah, okay, whatever. So he's playing whack-a-mole and the daughter, of course... There's like this thunderstorm that's kind of beginning and she wanders off, goes off the, the, um, off the pier, not off the pier, but in, <laughs> in, in, into, onto the beach and she's walking with this ice cream cone and she sees a whole bunch of teenagers on the beach, just being teenagers. And then she turns around and she sees kind of a fun house, like one of those weird mirror fun houses. Yeah. So she walks in and I'll, I'll kind of fast forward. She ends up kind of whistling uh, the Itsy Bitsy Spider. And as she's whistling this tune, she stops, and then she hears someone else whistling this tune. And she's like, what the heck is happening? So she backs up to the mirror, and she turns around and is not looking in the mirror, but sees someone who looks exactly like her. Yeah. And her eyes get really big. She's freaking out. And then cut. And then it cut. Fast forwards. X amount of years 25 later. years maybe. Yeah. And so basically, as, as the trailer kind of showed, this this mother is taking her kids to the beach. They have lots of fun. The son sees this whack job, you know, with his arms, you know, praise the sun, whatever he's doing. The mother freaks. <laughs> the mother freaks out. She runs, finds her son. They go home, and then they see this family in the driveway. And so that's when the father goes out and is like, "What the heck is happening?" Well. Eventually, this family breaks into the house. They get the the normal family onto the couch, and they're all just staring at each other, and the boy says, they're us. Yeah. And then the uh, wife of the us family, or like the clones, basically explains that she had to go through this traumatic shit, like um, she had to give birth to two kids, and instead of a C-section, she had to cut herself open and rip the baby out of her, um, and then basically they try to make their escape. Um, the um, the husband goes on a boat trip. Mm -hmm. he, like He's being chased by the big dude. Um, the daughter is told to run, and then the other clone daughter runs after her. 
Um, the son plays with fire with the clone Burn kid who has a mask on as well. And the kid, the son is always wearing this mask of like a werewolf or something. <coughs> and they go into a closet and they play with like this little sparky toy. And then the mom is chained to the desk and basically shit hits the fan. Like they get away, end up getting on the boat. The dad kills the dad clone. Mm-hmm. And like... In a huge scene, like, I did not expect that guy to just get eaten by the motor. Yeah. And I was like, oh, <laughs> like, that's why I hate swimming behind boats. Yeah. And then they they get rescued. Poor and then, manatees. Those poor manatees. Yeah. And that's it's, a real thing. Yeah. Their no, they just get, really like, bad. chiseled. If you ever go to the zoo, that's what you see, like, most of the posters. Mm-hmm. That's really sad stuff. Yeah. Well, Lauren is a the little girl. The sea cow. Lauren is a little girl. She said she would always go into that little like boat at the zoo near us and yeah. watch that video. And that video literally talks about how manatees are essentially endangered because in the open waters, they float near the surface and boats will come by not knowing they're there and the motors will cut off their backs. Yeah. And Lauren would watch that video every time she went to the zoo and just cry. And your mom would be <laughs> like, Lauren. <laughs> Don't sit in that boat anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And... um they go to find their, so, yeah, their they, nearby neighbor family. Yeah, the friends that they were on the beach with before they see the family in their driveway, um, like a family of like two alcoholics who hate each other. And they're like, yeah, can you check? I thought I heard something. Like the power went out. He's like, oh, no, I think it's fine. She comes down. They're arguing. And the daughters come out of the upstairs. They have two twin daughters who saw like the son making a sandcastle and was basically saying he was weird on the beach. Mm-hmm. Um they come out of their rooms, they're like, hey, what's up? And then all of a sudden they have like red-shirted clones behind them. They just get stabbed into the neck and you're like, what the hell just happened? And then it cuts to outside the house and then like everyone gets shanked. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, shit, I guess they didn't have a plot line. So, well, this is essentially when you find out this is like the crazy, oh my gosh, moment where everyone, everyone has, has a clone. Yeah. Every single person <laughs> in at least the United States that we saw has a clone of themselves. Yeah. That's trying to murder them. And then it goes back to the other family who just got traumatized because us tried to kill him. And uh, they knock on the door and they the door is answered by their friends. And they're like, oh, yeah, cool. Come in. And then they realize that their friends were murdered and they're, they end up having to murder their friends' families. Um God, what happens after that? Well, let's just fast forward kind of the end of the film. Essentially, the very beginning of the movie, this young girl who ends up, who who went to the mirror house, she watched this video of all America coming together and holding hands. And essentially, I don't know if this actually happened. Yeah, it is. It, it did. did. So from like the West Coast to the East Coast, everyone linked arms to essentially form this millions and millions and millions of people that linked arms across the entire continental United States to raise awareness for, I don't know if it was cancer, the American Red Cross. I think it was the American Red Cross or something like that. And so she watched that video in the beginning of the movie. At the end of the film, you find out, because when they're sitting on the couch, the only one that knows how to talk is the mo- the, the, the clone mom. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is like, like click clock and you know, whatever. They have these weird form of communication. Mm-hmm. And so the mom is the only one that's able to talk, but she speaks very oddly. And essentially, it almost sounds like she's suffocating, like someone's suffocating her and she's trying to speak. Mm-hmm. And so that's your first nod that, like, something's not right here. Well, at the very end of... <laughs> well, the- I think it was when the clones of their family showed <laughs> up on their couch and were just crawling around the bushes. The real problem trees. is when I actually bought the tickets and decided we should actually watch this movie. Yeah, well, there were multiple times throughout the movie I was like, oh, 
fuck. Like you, <laughs> like you knew things were gonna happen, and like I'm just sitting there, and you just look over, like oh, he knows. <laughs> yeah. So at the very end of the movie, I'll just fast forward to the very end scene because spoilers. I don't want to go into too far. The the human mom kills the carbon copy mom at the very end, grabs her son, and they drive away in like an ambul- ambulance truck. So the son is sitting in the front seat, and he looks over at his mom. The mom looks at him, and he almost looks a little confused, a little, like, sneaking suspicion that, like, are you actually my mom? And so then it cuts, and it goes back to the original opening scene where the girl turns around in the mirror house. Her clone strangles her, pulls her body all the way downstairs in this basement where all these clones are, and essentially handcuffs her to the wall puts on her clothes, walks up, and pretends for the rest of her life that she was this girl. And so the parents, of course, take her do- their daughter to this psychiatric place because the daughter's not speaking after she went off and wandered off. And they basically said, you need to find something that will allow her to express herself. So she becomes like a ballet dancer and eventually is able to speak and become like adapted into human life. Yeah, so essentially these clone people were a failed government experiment, and then they went underground because the project was kind of scrapped, I guess, because they're like soulless versions of the people above. Exactly. And so what was really weird is there was a point in the film where the mom, or I think it was the young daughter, she was walking through this basement area because she's (laughs) absolutely mortified. She has no idea what just happened. She got taken away from her parents, and now she's in this weird basement area where she sees all these people just doing weird things. And so... It shows the amusement park, and then it shows below ground. So all the people that were on the roller coaster were essentially standing back to back, just like jumping up and down, as if they were like mimicking the the movements of an actual roller coaster. Yeah. It was really bizarre stuff, and that's what I was telling Ryan about walking out of the movie. Is it wasn't so much that the movie was actually jump scary weird. It wasn't really scary. Just it was like, what the heck is happening? The the concept was just terrifying. So I would implore everyone out there, even if you're not a fan of horror movies, just to, a fan of really strange concepts executed wonderfully. Mm-hmm. I think this is one of those movies. Yeah, and then there's theories going around that like the boy is actually switched as well. Do you hear that one? No. So there's a theory that the son was also one of the clones and he was switched at one of the earlier trips. So they make reference at the beginning in the car ride that he was quiet after his mom died or he his personality changed. And on the beach, they make reference to instead of building sand castles when the girls go over to him, he was building sand tunnels. Mm. Like you build what you know. Like I built sand castles and things. But like if all he knew was tunnels, um, he also in the car, he's like he looking at his like little clicker thing. He's like, I, I done this. I just don't know what it does. And mm. he like the clone would be so used to doing that motion, but he would have never actually had the object in his hand. Interesting. And he, pr- the son was probably switched as well, and this maybe the the clone took over. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of whoever takes the driver, the steering wheel at the time, and the son was just playing with matches and continuously had matches in front of him and burned his face. Oh, and like that's why he. I mean, the son was fascinated with animals, and that's why he crawled around a lot. And the clone had the mask as well. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think this is definitely one of those movies that after you see it, you definitely need to go read an article about what you may have missed. And it's also a movie you need to see multiple times because there's a lot of stuff, having seen it once, going back, very similar to The Sixth Sense. You pick up on a lot more stuff. Also, did you hear the theory about the Get Out and the Us universe being connected? 
Yeah, basically informing the United States citizens to get out. What? Well, that was also like a, there's a million form like no. Theories, the one so. is that like basically the people who did the get out experiments were the same people who did the government experiments to make the copies, and it was basically a failed experiment. So when they finally were able to transfer like the essence of a person into someone, it was their successful version. So get out was successful. Yeah. So the get out was after the us, events of us, and get out like families were the government people who creating these clones Ooh, interesting yeah cool yeah so definitely check it out right into the show if you end up watching it i'd like to hear your opinions another movie we saw last weekend because uh your mom's a big fan of dumbo and she yes. sang one of the like the the main song to you and lauren when you guys were no, children no, no. she didn't sing it to me uh, it was baby mind and she sang that to lauren oh oh well thank you for the clarification no i i really hated that song okay. as a kid okay well i really enjoy this movie is it my is it my top favorite live action adaptation of a Disney movie? Not really, but I really enjoyed it. Is, will I get it on Blu-ray? Maybe. So, Probably for Lorne. Yeah, for Lorne. But what did you think about it? I personally didn't like it at all. I got up at the end of the, like halfway through the movie, I'm like, God, this movie is dragging. And I don't know if it's personally like the Tim Burton approach to it, um, but it felt very jolty. Like it just hopped from one thing to the next so quickly mm. in their scenes. Like, it did not sit on a scene for more than maybe, like, 30 seconds. So you just didn't feel like it was a very seamless... And it was just... Oh, I mean, it felt like Johnny Depp's character in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. He's just overblown and super... In your face, like, hey. Hi- not hyper. It's um, hyperbolic. Mm. It's really exaggerated. And it felt like all of the villains, all the characters, when it comes to, like, the guy who was doing the... Uh, like the Dumbo whipping at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like he hated this elephant for no freaking reason. And he was just such a douchebag. And like the main villain of the theme park was just overblown. Um, and then, I mean, even my favorite scene in that was when they were doing the, it was a scene that scared me as a kid with those elephant balloons. And they were all just like an acid trip of things. Yeah. I really liked how they did that mm-hmm. because in the original Dumbo, they had Dumbo and like his mouse friend drunk and they were like just seeing these crazy things happening. And in this one, it was basically the people making these balloon animals and they're just changing shapes. But my problem with that scene was they cut to Dumbo's face, like being amused, cut to the balloons, Dumbo's face back and forth like six times. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's just so such a jolty movie. Like it's, it, Dumbo's a really hard one to do, right? Yeah. In my opinion. Like, um, which ones have we had so far? We've had Beauty and the Beast. We've had... Beauty and the Beast was really the good. Jungle Book. Jungle Book was really good. But Dumbo, I didn't really see as one that we needed to remade. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I don't even remember the plot of the movie. I, it's, I'm guessing it's completely different than what they did here. I've actually never seen the original. Don't hurt yourself and watch that one. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, I have it. I'll probably watch it, but... No, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. When you said it was hyperbolic, the, Johnny Depp was in Charlie the Chocolate Factory. I think Burton's movies are just... If I had to pick two terms to describe them, I would say they're dark and hyperbolic. Uh, because that's just his style. I mean, Beetlejuice, Dark Shadows, Sweeney Todd, Charlie the Chocolate Factory. I mean, they're all just very bizarre, weird movies. And if you're not into that, you're just not going to... Well, be- the problem is, The thing is, I like the original Dumbo. It wasn't my favorite Disney movie, but... I didn't have anything against it. It's just, it wasn't so in your face and so jolty in the original. That's fair. Yeah. Well. That was my problem. I didn't hate the movie. I just didn't like it. That's totally fine. 
everyone's entitled to their opinion here on or talk about everyone's this, everyone's got an opinion just like an asshole that's right that's right uh <laughs> let's see here let's get into the games that we've been playing recently ryan do you mind if i kick it off go ahead you have the better game uh, the best game. Well, yeah, Banjo-Kazooie, you're right. But <laughs> Well, why is it better, Russ? Well, everything about it really is just better. <laughs> I was um, talking more about Lordran. I know. We'll get to that. But I played a few different games over the past two weeks. One I was greatly anticipating this year. Many thought we were never going to see it actually released because of the demise of Telltale Games last fall. But thankfully, Skybound Games, which I believe is Robert Kirkman, the writer for The Walking Dead comic, um, that's his video game studio. And he kind of acquired the rights to um, bring back some of the original Walking Dead, Telltale's Walking Dead people, to finish out the story. And so season four, episode four, was is all we'll ever see of The Walking Dead, I assume. And I felt it was a, a really great send-off for, for Clementine and the four years, or four seasons that we had with those, those characters. Yeah. The first season, of course, was... I think it was the Game Awards Game of the Year, and many publications had it as their Game of the Year just because of the story that was so, so so well told with Clementine and what's his face and Lee. Yeah, I played through the first one. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it. Um, That was one of the first kind of turn based, not turn based, like choose your own adventure kind of. It was a return to form for that genre because those games were really popular on the PC, like in the the late 90s, early 2000s. We haven't had one recently. And it kind of died down for a long time, and Telltale really resurrected that genre with Walking Dead, The Wolf Among Us, they did Game of Thrones, they did Batman, they did a Borderlands one. They had a whole... Yeah, they had a whole slew of those those series. I want to play the Game of Thrones one. But I think The Walking Dead, people said, like, after the first season, it completely went downhill. I really disagree. I would encourage any of you, if you have any inkling of interest in... The Walking Dead, at least by the first season, for sure. The second season, I felt was every bit as good as the first, if not better. The third season, I think it was called A New Frontier. Okay. That's when they kind of just shoehorned Clementine into the storyline with a completely new cast of characters. And by the end, of course, Clementine was at the very forefront of the story. And again, people said that was just a worthless piece of crap. I think that's also ridiculous. I really enjoyed it by the end. At the at the beginning, I'm like, wait, why am I with this family? You yeah. know, where's Clementine? And eventually, maybe in episode two or at the end of episode one, she comes into the into the the, the story. But yeah, it, it was okay. I enjoyed it by the end. And saying goodbye to that cast was hard for me at the end of those five episodes, just because very much like the first season, they told the story so well that you really did care about those characters. And then in season four, essentially at the end of season three. Clementine comes into essentially adopting this young boy um, that was birthed by one of the people that died in the season three cast. And so now she's essentially become the Lee that that Lee was to Clementine in the first season. And to kind of see them grow so close and she's kind of this parental figure because this kid was, I mean, at least Clementine saw before the walkers. This kid was born into it. So he never knew a difference. And so for Clementine to really have to paint a picture of, hey, you need to protect yourself and do what's in your best interest at all times, but also kind of paint a picture of, hey, we have to have a human side too. We can't just go around shooting everyone in the head, human or walker. Yeah. And to see that challenge for Clementine as a parent at the age of what, 
14, I think by now, was was really hard to see it sometimes, but also really cool to see the relationship that bloomed there. Yeah. And at the end of episode four, again, I won't get into spoilers because I really want people to experience it for themselves. I think it was a fitting end to that character, that, that storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of fans were a little bit angered because the mythology of, of, of walking dead was kind of, um, skewed or went, by, went by the wayside with the choice that they made, but I still felt I would have been angered if they did it any differently, honestly. Okay. So I'll leave it at that. Really good fun. I'm glad that Clementine was in all four games and I'm glad I played all four games and I'd encourage others to do the same. Uh, but what I really want to spend the bulk of my time talking about is two other games. So I try to go back to Donkey Kong 64 and I should have just played that game through to completion because it was tough to pick it back up after playing for like nearly 30 hours in getting back into it. But what I did start up was a new file in Banjo-Kazooie. And I was immediately reminded at what a delight this game is to play through. Yeah. And so there's just so many memorable characters, of course, <coughs> Banjo-Kazooie being the title characters. In the very beginning, Gruntilda, the evil witch, steals Banjo's sister, takes her away. Banjo and Kazooie are set off on this adventure with this little gopher named Bottles, uh, teaching them all of these ridiculous moves that help them through the remainder of the games. And there's just so many memorable areas. Of course, um, they can't come to my mind right now because I didn't write them down and I'm having a complete brain fart. Uh, but just the little... There are areas that he liked. Yeah. They're just not memorable. And the music is very... Mem- the music is memorable, though. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure you can name off all of those songs. Definitely. But one of the things that took me by surprised the most playing this because I just didn't remember as a kid was Gruntilda has a sister and she's she's a milf natch <laughs> no so here's the thing like, <laughs> what no so here's that sparked something yeah no so seriously I was talking to Travis because every time you exit the game so basically the reason why Gruntilda wants to steal Banjo's sister yeah. is he wants she wants to basically use her youth to perform this science experiment so that she can retain her youth mm. okay like a tangled plot line. So basically she would walk into this chamber at the same time Banjo's sister walks into it and then she would come out a new lady. Well, every time you exit the game, she does. She performs this experiment. She walks out and she's like in this black dress and she's super slender and has this greasy slit. It's Pamela Anderson. <laughs> basically. So every time when I was playing this as a kid and I would exit out the game, like, dude, it got my like eight-year-old <laughs> self going. Yeah. I, I thought she was like, Hot stuff. Travis, <laughs> get, give me. The, get the engines revving. Travis, give ripe me. age of eight. That's right. Travis, give me crap for it. But hey, when you're a kid, whatever things happen, you get whatever you can. Exactly. So Gruntilda's sister, Bruntilda, naturally is oh, a little, that's such an ugly name. Is a little sugar plum fairy, and she's scattered around the entire world, and she has all of these ridiculous quotes, basically throwing her sister under the bus. And so I'm I'm actually keeping track of these because Travis says that the end boss will ask you questions that are specific to what Bruntilda tells you earlier in the game. And if you write these down, then you can answer the questions and essentially just wreck the final boss. So does it like power you up versus the boss? Or? No, like he'll literally ask you like multiple choice questions and then you answer them based on these actual facts about, mm. about Gruntilda. Well, how do you wreck him with your facts? I don't know. Take that, logic. Exactly. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I haven't even gotten there yet, and I don't want to spoil it for myself, but I've been actually writing all of them down because they're just insane. Okay. So here's the first one. Bruntilda told me that Gruntilda, 
her sister, of course, brushes her teeth with tuna-flavored toothpaste. Mm. As we all do. Mm. Her nickname... Breathe on me. <laughs> Breathe on me. I don't... When you're not strong. <laughs> okay. Now smell like fish. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, who sings that song? Brunhilda. <laughs> First of all... It's when she covers for Rihanna. It's Brun... And Shakira. Okay. Her nickname was Cauldron Butt. My fish don't lie. <laughs> Are you done? Yeah, it's cool. Okay. Um, her nickname was Cauldron Butt in school. Oh, scrotum. Uh, you... I thought I spilled coffee on my computer. Okay. Never mind. Grunty wears massive bloomers under that skirt of hers. Mm. She's also got a nasty <laughs> dog called Big Naka. <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> Um, my sister often sleeps in a pigsty, and then he, she called her the hag. The hag. The only thing she ever won was the dirtiest undies competition in high school. That's, that's so gross, actually. <laughs> <laughs> First and, off, how do your high school friends know that? Uh, Unless they're really bad. Yeah, I don't know. Grunty's best friend at which school was off? Grunty? Yeah, Gruntilda. That's oh, okay. Was that her nickname, or was that, like, yeah. the actual? Yeah, it's her nickname. Grunty. Russell, Ryan, or Russell, Rust, forget it, whatever. Russell, Rusty is, was supposed to be that. Ryan, Rye. My mom calls you that. Yeah, but, never mind, let's, <laughs> let's keep going. Yeah, Grunty's, I'm not gonna finish that. Grunty's best friend at which school was awful, saggy, Maggie. I can't make a joke there, I'm not going to. Okay. No, but I'm not, I'm not I was right. like, Oh yeah, like oh. I'm having a great time revisiting Banjo Kazooie. I'm definitely gonna finish it because I got the strategy guide on eBay. Yeah, uh, so I'm really looking forward to playing it, collecting all of the Jinjos, all of the Jiggies, all the musical notes, the whole Such night. Crazy names for things. Well, I loved it in Ukulele because instead of Jiggies, you collect pages, and they're literally yeah, pages, pages in a book that you collect and eventually are able to summon. No. <laughs> <laughs> You essentially open pages to new worlds, and then you go into those yeah. and explore them. You, you summon the Daedric Lord. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you summon your way into Oblivion. You know what's interesting, Ryan? I think the, there's something... How sexy the Daedric princes were in Oblivion? No, I thought Gruntilda was a lot better looking. But anyways, uh, there's an interesting fact that the listeners don't know about you. There's probably a few facts, <laughs> a lot of facts, but that I don't want them to know about me. There's one in particular that I think the listeners should know, and that is, is that you've been an aspiring children's book author and illustrator since your youth. And in college, you actually got an opportunity to pitch your idea to someone and you sent it. And I think you sent it snail mail. So it's still making its way across the pond. But at some point in our podcast reign of Utaku brothers, I am going to share that pitch to you guys and see what you guys think. And I just want, I want any representatives at Scholastic to listen up. Scholastic book fair. Because it's like, oh, oh, oh dear God. <laughs> <laughs> like you, oh. No, okay, so I guess to preface this, I guess we're not gonna read it this time. Like we have it we have to figure out how we're gonna do this. But can I at least lead the um the prompt that yeah, you Yeah, the given? prompt. All and right. then I can kind of explain why this happened. Let's give the listeners a little tease, Ryan. So 
I'm not even going to read the subject header or uh, the name of this document. I actually have a few documents named that. The other one is a picture of a puppy. So the (laughs) (laughs) Um, so so it's named. It's called porno, but like, if my mom ever stuck into my computer. The only picture that would be named porno is a picture of this cute, adorable, like fuzzy dog in the like passenger seat of a thing. Because mm-hmm. everyone thinks I'm worse than I am, and I'm not. Okay. <laughs> so the prompt: couple is trying to have a baby but can't get pregnant. And what's this stuff in quotations? Is that the so? Prompt that's as the well? prompt. So this was for an anatomy class, mm-hmm. and that was kind of the premise, and you had to answer the question. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Okay. Uh, can I continue with the quotation? Yeah, go ahead. Confident that they understand the mechanics of reproduction, they forge ahead with without success in the pregnancy department for the next 10 months. They decide that a more concerted effort is in order and work on their own with greater intensity for an additional six months to no avail. So Ryan's goal for the future of children's books is to describe the concerted effort and greater intensity that they employed before seeking clinical help. So this was actually, yeah, an anatomy class that this girl that I was talking to was taking, and she said, hey, I really don't know how to answer this. My professor's kind of a dick. How do I respond? And then I proceeded to write an interesting response. Let's give them the first paragraph here. Okay. (laughs) Ted Jamal Turner and his wife, Cindy Lou Turner... We're having problems producing a baby. After going to a pregnancy department for 10 months with no success, they chose to try with greater intensity for six months on their own. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. To be continued next week on Utah Brothers. I was, well, so I was reading it before this because we were discussing this over meat. And it actually sounds relatively intelligent the way that it forms sentences. Yeah, I mean, you wrote this in college and... It's, I mean, this is like Dr. Seuss material here. Whoa. <laughs> I don't rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> I I have a lot of adjectives, though. Oh, my gosh. This is this is seriously insanity stuff. Like, I this, know. this is crazy. Terrible. It'll make you question why you listen to this podcast. Absolutely. But, Ryan, before we get to that, because we won't until next week, what I do want to talk about is Dark Souls 3. Yes. So... Two weeks ago, Ryan and I talked about Sekiro, we're over the moon about it, and then we played it for 30 minutes and realized, oh my gosh, this is a whole different game than Soulsborne. And it's still great. That we had played previously. No, it is. And I think it's definitely something that, well, I will come back to it because I ordered the 600-page strategy guide that'll be coming next week, I think, or maybe the week after that. I think it arrives, yeah, it'll arrive the week after Game of Thrones premiere. And I think Sekiro... I was looking for a game like Dark Souls 3 when I started Sekiro. Yeah. And I was definitely taken by, by surprise. Because you really have to learn the parry mechanic. You have to unlearn this, the um, urge to do a circle roll. I guess we're playing PS4, but like a circle roll off away from everything. Um, Dark Souls 3, Bloodborne have really... When you roll, they have iframes, and it's a larger spectrum of iframes. And when you go to dodge something in Sekiro... Your iframes are like one frame. Mm -hmm. So So. Daniel Tack is an editor for Game Informer, one of my favorite editors for the entire magazine. (coughs) And he is a tremendous fan of Dark Souls, Bloodborne, and Sekiro. And so he gave Sekiro a 9 out of 10. Yes. And Kotaku wrote a piece about essentially difficulty sliders in games. And I didn't read the details of it, 
but given Dan's response to him, it sounded like he was wanting and desiring a difficulty slider for a game like Sekiro. He did. Because he was saying that, you know, being as busy as we are as adults, we don't have the time or patience to learn the mechanics of a game like Sekiro or even Dark Souls and Bloodborne. And Dan's argument was it'd be completely removing and stripping the essence of what these games represent. And I totally agree with him because the satisfaction that you get for beating bosses like Martyr Lagarius or any number of bosses in Bloodborne or the Souls game, and I was telling Ryan this, it honestly topped getting my college degree for some of these bosses. Especially yeah. when I beat Martyr Lagarius on New Game Plus. I was like, oh my gosh, I am done. Can I seriously get like bml at the end of my name next to my cpa license because beat martyr Lagarius is something that deserves to be recognized yeah i'm sure the the orphan of costs is another one mm -hmm. it's the final boss of bloodborne at the end of the dlc which mm -hmm. you still have to be it's after the problem is you went to new game plus yeah I played and the DLC. you went oh, to gosh, um yeah you went to maria i couldn't even beat her i got so close i had zero blood vials left and she had one nick of health left, as as did I. Mm -hmm. Not ideal circumstances in Bloodborne if you've never played it. Yeah. And she just, her her reach was just, ugh, I couldn't do it. Yeah, so I would go back through that game. And, I mean, you can go through it pretty quick and get to Maria. Because Maria basically plays like Sekiro does, kind of. Okay. And there's also a boss in the DLC that you're going to play on Dark Souls 3 that's a very good homage to Maria. They play the exact same. She's really fast for Dark Souls mechanics, but it's pretty fair. Okay, cool. Um, um, so one more point yeah. about uh, Sekiro, and then I'll move on to my thoughts about Dark Souls 3. So Dan Tack posted something on Twitter that I thought was hilarious. So he says, Soul, or Souls, uh, colon. He says, hey, y'all, we've been parrying, or hey, y'all, we have parrying. You should try it sometime. You can do more than roll, you know. Bloodborne, colon. Pairing is super cool and rewarding, guys. Please use it. Please, Sekiro, pair your die. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really is. It really is. So, like, Dark Souls is described as the shield game. Um, Bloodborne is more of the sword game um, and speed. And then Sekiro is the parry game. And parrying was always the hardest thing to do in all of those games, the Soulsborne. Yeah. Like really freaking difficult but i was um i had like i had a drink or two so like i was just grinding doing dude my don't drink in souls like oh no my no, gosh. no i got invaded by this bastard oh no and yeah i mean you have to be polite so i bowed to him like i'm like oh gosh like i just want to grind i'm gonna lose my souls and i ended up pairing him and cell sorting him through the chest. Oh, nice! And like we were running around, like he was trying to like summon rocks at me using like the dragon torso or whatever. And I ended up killing him with a backstab. Oh! And then I just clapped. <laughs> <laughs> I was just Think like, twice yes. before you invade my game, bitch. Yeah, I'm like even with dulled reflexes, screwed him up. Yeah. Oh, so oh my gosh! Like I suck at PvP in Dark Souls. But it's those like, like one in twenty victories that yeah. I get. So what I miss most about, you know, the Souls Bloodborne kind of, um, I don't know, mechanics was just the grinding aspect. That was one of the things I missed most. Just being able to, it's late at night, long day at work. I really don't feel like fighting some behemoth boss that's just gonna wreck me eight times in a row. So I just you find your routes and you just continually do that number of times. Get your souls. 
max, not max out your guy, but just become so OP. It's just ridiculous. And so that's what I've been doing a lot in Dark Souls 3 and then just going to the next boss and just wrecking him. In some instances, I still... You're stuck. Let me grab my death counter real quick. Okay. And explain to the listeners what that is. So every time he plays Bloodborne, Dark Souls, Sekiro, he counts how many times he's died. Bloodborne was like 70s. Yeah, I think I beat Bloodborne like 82 or 3 or something around that ballpark. Mm -hmm. And I think I died a little over 40 times in my hour and a half, two hours of Sekiro. I'm not kidding. (laughs) Yes. Yep. And I probably played it for more like five hours, but like progress wise, it was like an hour into the game. And so Dark Souls 3, I would say I'm about, what would you say, like 60% of the way through the game? No, after this next boss, you're a, you're over uh, 55%. Okay. You like, So he is at Pontiff Sullivan, and it's, you've killed who? You've killed the Abyss Watchers, yep. and you've killed Yorm, which are the two Lords of Cinder. Mm-hmm. There are two other Lords of Cinder. So this one's kind of the main boss holding you from that second half of these lords okay so that's about right on par with bloodborne then because i've died 48 times okay cool and i felt like each of those deaths maybe give or take five were completely fair um they're all fair it's just me being it's those dogs in that one area okay so dogs are bullshit horrible teleport teleporting dogs what the heck i mean they seriously like destroy your health meter no how no matter how strong you are yeah i think the fairest dogs are in sekiro yeah. Yeah. Because even in Bloodborne, though, I didn't remember them being this bad. I mean, they're yeah. a whole other level in this game. They are. But some of the... I wrote down a few things that I really took me by surprise in the opening areas of the game. I really like the Undead Settlement, which is kind of like that second area where you yeah. have, like, the Scarecrow from the Wizard of Oz walking around. Zombies with pitchfork. And then, yeah. thankfully, you told me this. You go up this tower, this giant ladder. I think you might have taken an elevator or two. And then you talk to this like Zeus-like god that's just chucking spears at walk people walking around. <laughs> yeah. And if you agree to whatever his covenant, he essentially says, "I will kill for you." Yeah, you give him a leaf and basically make peace, <laughs> as all gods do. Yeah, he's a giant. Yeah, and so then you walk through this kind of. Um, yeah, you also met the Onion Knight, which is an homage to Dark Souls One when you he was, the Onion Knight is outside of that giant bridge before after you. Ring the two bells. Do you remember that? So not Solaire. No, so you go up to that giant wall to get into that crazy place. Yep. Um, Is this post-Gargoyles? Uh, before. Okay. Like, you can go to the right, and there's basically that giant gate that eventually gets opened when you kill oh. Waylag and yes. Gargoyles. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that Onion Knight who's wearing the same armor as the dude. Oh, nice. Who goes up. Yeah, that's another really cool thing about this game that I've loved is all of the subtle nods, not even subtle, some of them like right in your face to the previous games. Mm -hmm. Like even when you went to the sewer area and you had the rats and then there's this giant mist and you're like, whenever you see mist in in any of these games, you know that what's ever beyond that is not fun. And you walk two steps into the mist and a giant mutated rat eats your face. Pretty much. So I've really enjoyed that aspect of the game. I love getting my face eaten. (laughs) Yeah. Another thing too that's just critical to these games that makes them so enjoyable is just all the notes on the ground oh they're great just seeing all the notes that says like hey up here on the left when you go beyond this pillar watch out and then or hey jump off here and it's like the abyss and you die and you lose all your stuff that definitely (laughs) happened to me once too yeah uh 
so I, I really miss that aspect of the game. And then even just like the blood stains and being able to see how other people died. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people literally just accidentally fall off a ledge, you know? Oh, it's hilarious. Or you see them getting wrecked by whoever. Whatever. Yeah. So I've really been enjoying my time. Just that gameplay loop of, of grinding, finding, like being welcomed into a new area is always so satisfying. The music that plays when you fight bosses is always this really crazy, oh my gosh, I'm about to be like destroyed by this boss if I don't get good and figure out the, the whatever his, you know, however this Loser. boss works. Yeah. So what's your favorite boss so far? Uh, I'd have to look at, I really like even the, the first boss that I fight was Bjort or whatever. Vort? Vort, yeah. The dog with the hammer? Yeah, he was cool looking. Mm-hmm. What are some of the other bosses? Just name them off. Because you remember those names better than I do. Yeah, so you got the first guy. Gosh, he has two forms. Um, you know who I'm talking about? The dude with the spear. You pulled the sword out of him. Oh, yeah. That was pretty intense. Well, he's like literally in the beginning of the yeah, game. Yeah, he's like tutorial. Yeah. You can't level up. It's get good or quit. I think I beat him in my first try, actually. Yeah. Uh, just because I'd beaten that previously with you when we went oh, through the, like, with a G, the opening sure. moments of the game. So you got him. You got Vort. Then you got Scrotum Tree. Oh, I never went back to him. Yeah, he allows you to unlock all of the um, the weapons from all the bosses. Okay, so yeah, so Scrotum Tree is a little weird, but he's literally basically Tree Beard, and he has like these nasty egg things all over him, Yeah, and you have to just hit those a bunch. Ludux Gundir. Ah, yes. Yeah, um, so he was tasked to protect or like challenge the undead on their journey to light the flame or... Okay. Extinguish the flame. So then you have um, the wizards, the crystal sage. Yes. You have... Um, I will admit that I summoned someone for that battle. Okay. You did? I thought you wrecked him after you leveled up your shit. Yeah, I also summoned someone. <laughs> Who helped you wreck him? Yeah. No, but so that battle, even if I didn't someone, summon someone, I think I would have beaten him because... It was literally like four hits with my axe, mm-hmm. and I, those guys were dropping like flies. Apparently, he's parryable, which is the thing I learned in oh, the really? speed run. Um, then you got the Deacons of the Deep. Yeah, that battle was interesting. Basically, there's just hordes of these dudes, and this red spirit ascends and then comes down into one of these beings, and that's the person you have to go attack. He is really freaking hard if you just do a pure magic build, like intelligence, because oh. you don't have any weapons to basically hit through the crowd. Um, then you have the Abyss Watchers mm-hmm. with the three of them. Then you have the Bracelet Guy. And then after Bracelet Guy is Pontiff Sullivan. Who I will conquer tonight. And then you killed Yorm. Yep. With the Stormbreaker. Yes, that was and a that's, fun battle. Uh, Thor's armor, or Thor's hammer is Stormbreaker. What's it? Thor's Bane, or Stormbane? Something like Stormbreaker. that. Stormbreaker. Well, that's that's Thor's hammer. Or not his hammer, his, I, his Storm axe. something. Yeah, I know. Some... I know. What you're, I'm picking up what you're throwing down, man. Okay. The listeners might not be, but hey, I think last week you you screwed up uh, Harry Potter lore. We both did, but you know what? Probably that's a kind. Con- I think you said Nicholas thing. Flamel's an al- alchemist. He's actually a he... botanist. It, whatever. I mean, whoa, 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 tomato, whoa, whoa! Potato, potato. I'm pretty sure you said he was an alchemist in the new movie. Dude, I don't even want to. Tip-toe. Why would he be doing talking or freaking dealing with plants? Listen, when well, he's trying to live forever. Well, that's the whole thing with alchemists. It was change shit into gold and live forever. Listen, I'm not even gonna tiptoe around Harry Potter lore anymore. So if you want to, you know, do a nosedive in it, by all means. But I'm not. I'm staying far away. Anyways, 
what else do I want to say about this? Oh, the final thing I'll say is, it's in Sekiro, I believe, as well, is just the routing. And so what I've been enjoying most is not really asking you unless I really need your help because I want to explore these areas fresh and not having a clear idea the area that I need to go to unlock the next door. So essentially, these games, everything loops back around. It's just like one big circle when you get into these giant areas. And yeah. so eventually, you know, when you get to your, a bonfire, you look to your right and you see a door, and it's not openable. You can't open it from that side. Yeah. So you have to travel around and get to that door. And I just love that loop. Yeah, so I am a couple bosses past Rusty. So I've killed, I think, nine mini-bosses. And what is, what's your build? Uh, you, I don't know if there's really a build. No, like what's your character type, your class? All of them. Well, in the beginning, did you choose knight? Did you choose pyromancer? Did you choose... Oh, Sekiro. I was talking Sekiro. Oh, you're talking Sekiro now. Oh, what are you, cho- what are you talking about? The game I've you been talking about. You said what build? I was like, what the hell build is there? Like, you choose what weapon, like, with your little samurai sword. Gosh, no, dude. Oh, Dark Souls. So I was a um, sellsword guy. Not a warrior. Something like that. So I have the cell swords. I did sharp cell swords. I have them up to seven. I'm also on Pontiff Sullivan. Um, I have soft cap, level 40, um, dexterity. I think I'm sitting at 30, vitality, and 23 endurance. Okay. So, yeah, I'm hitting like a bus. Um, I killed the axe guy. So I got his like cool-looking dragon axe, which I'll help you get after this. Cool. Because that's... If you and also show you where you can get electricity and stuff too, like unlimited electricity to go on your blade. Nice. So that'll help with Sullivan. Awesome. And then you played Yoshi as well. Right? Oh yeah, I totally forgot. I mean, I didn't mean to forget about it, but there's just been so many other games. It's crap. That's why I forgot about it. No, it's so much fun. It's such a delight to play this game after Dark Souls Three. So typically, my nights consist of playing like an hour or two of Dark Souls, and then before I go to bed, just like thirty minutes. Like in bed, Lauren's asleep or whatever, just playing like two or three levels. Yeah. And that's just such a delight because it's it's stupidly charming. Oh, it's adorable. I mean, it is one of the most adorable games and charming that I've ever played. I mean, seriously, I know so Lauren gave me crap about this because and she rightfully so. Probably. Be, because so many times on I think the the bracket vit or the bracket episodes, I would always say, like, oh no, this is like one of the best soundtracks ever. Yeah, I think I picked up on that as well. Yeah, I get see. I get really excited about music and games. I think we were giving you crap about that at um, St. Patrick's Day when we were playing N sixty four games. Yes, because I was saying You're like this is the best. <laughs> we're well, like the thing is that was everything's the, the best. Nothing's the best. Like because they're all status quo, and there's something that has to stand out to be the best. I need to be a little more careful in the way I rank things. Everything is shit. Except for one thing, which is the best. Kingdom Hearts, what's up? So, I need to be a little <laughs> more careful with what I'm saying. I understand that. I'm sorry, listeners. I get animated and passionate about things. Sue me. Okay. But anyways, Yoshi, what's really great about this... Well, there's a lot of things. But after you go through each of the levels, you collect these coins. And then you can use these coins to essentially pop them in these little gumball machines to mm-hmm. pop out eggs. And each egg contains a different costume for Yoshi to wear. Yes. And so I've only unlocked maybe like eight or ten of these things because I haven't played as much as you have. I have 60. <laughs> so you get things like a cow suit, a box, a boat, a, like a tiki bird, uh, a gopher in a hole, like a bunch of fish. Like for each, 
I guess there's worlds or like stages. There's like one or two levels that you can play through, and each one of them has a gumball machine. And for each gumball machine, there's ten. So like I've cleared five stages, full stages, gotten the first like gem, and then I'm on the second stage, and I got far enough to basically unlock that gumball machine. So okay. I've cleared sixty. Yeah. So graphically, it looks beautiful. I've been playing. It's very yarn. Yeah. It looks very mu- yeah. Well, so basically, it's almost paper mache like in the way they yeah. structured these worlds. And you can kind of go to the background and foreground of these levels. You can use your eggs to throw stuff in the background to unlock more coins. Like, there's literally ca- uh, cows and... There's, like, just... mini missions to hit five cows yeah. or five milk bottles or hit the... Um, after a while, maybe, like, four or five levels, you ride a dog. And, like, I really Poochie. like... Yeah, Poochie. And it allows you to find the pooches in each level. So, basically, you go forward and... You beat the level once, but then you can go reverse, and you have to find these dogs, like these three dogs are at the level. Okay. Um, and then there's an extra, like you, sunflowers are the main thing, like flowers in this game. So instead of shine sprites or stars, you get these like flowers mm-hmm. for beating a level, and um, which was your health bar in Yoshi's story, which is awesome. Really? Yeah. So you of course collected fruits in Yoshi, and that was like your source of health, or Yoshi's story. And as you lost health throughout the game, the petals would fall off the flower, mm-hmm. and the flower's face would become increasingly like I'm melting or I'm essentially burning to death oh, that's from sad. the sun. It would get yeah, it was pretty cool. So yeah, so this one you use them as like shine sprites and like to unlock the next stage area, you give and like pay like ten stars or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it makes it's making sure that you don't suck. At this game. Yeah, but if there's any game that you're going to play alongside a Souls game, it's this one. Yeah, like I I play like one or two stages each night, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, so definitely if you enjoy charming platformers, don't overlook Yoshi. People are saying it's just more of the same. I've never played a Yoshi game, so this is my first. Okay, Yeah. so it played pretty similarly to uh, Wooly World Mm -hmm. on the, the Wii U, and then it was ported to 3DS. I don't know when it became so criminal to have more greatness in your life. Probably 2016. Yeah, that was a pretty bad year. Dark times. Dark times. Okay, so I'm enjoying it for what it is, and you cannot have enough Yoshi in your life. Come on now. Yeah, and it sounds like a broken recorder in the background. <laughs> really? For some of the levels. The music? Yeah. I haven't gotten far enough to experience that much. Like, some of them, like... You know how they do those parodies of, like, um, Titanic uh-huh. with, like, the broken recorders? Record players or recorders? Like a recorder, like the flute-looking thing. Oh, the, you had to play in, like, fifth grade or whatever? Yeah. So, like, one or two stages sounded like a, some kid was going ham on the recorder. Okay. Well. <laughs> but it's adorable and it plays well and... Um, graphically, it looks amazing. It does. And it's a good... It's not challenging, like, even... There's like two difficulties, and obviously you go with the harder one. You can play in mellow mode, where Yoshi gets wings and just flies around the level. Is that really what it is? Yeah, because Lauren was playing Woolly World on her 3DS, and yeah. she's playing in mellow mode because she wanted to collect all the, like the little things easier, more easy. And so yeah, in mellow easier mode, is the word. Yeah, I don't know why I correct myself there. It's funner this another yeah. word. 
So she's playing mellow mode, and she, yeah, Yoshi has like wings, and he just like literally flaps around across the entire map and just flies to the. Does end. he shoot fire eggs like he does in his suit Final Smash? I believe uh, he does. Really? He has the potential to do so. Okay. I've only watched her briefly play it. More than anything, I just enjoyed when she get because instead of costumes mm-hmm. that you get in uh, a crafted world in Wooly World, you got Yoshi skins. Ooh. So you look like a bumblebee or a watermelon or whatever. And just to see Lauren's excitement about how adorable <laughs> he became, it was it was great stuff. Yeah, it's a really good collect-a-thon. It's a lot of fun to actually go back to one. Yeah, so I think I'm going to continue. Probably Better than Poi. You can get out of here. Poi is awesome, but Yoshi collect-a-thons? Yeah, you're like right. They're, for each stage, when you beat it, you get like flowers pop up. Mm-hmm. So there's like one or two levels per stage. And you have to collect all of the, like, gumballs or the Yoshi skins or whatever. You have to get all of the little flowers in each world, both, like, forward and backward, and then all the submissions for that. Mm -hmm. And then you, um, then basically flowers pop up on that stage, and it shows you're 100% complete with it, and it's adorable. So basically, you have to flower out the entire map and make it happy. Also, we should we should backtrack too to what the story is. It's basically an Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah, pretty that, much. That has all Yoshi's these... are ready to like snap. Yeah, and kill everyone. Because at the very beginning of the game, and I don't know all the the intricacies of the the story is as detailed as it is. There's like these five or six gems that are on this giant rock, and what are they stolen by someone? Yeah, so the Yoshi's have a cult that they worship these five gems: blue, green, yellow, red, and orange. I think. Same as the Infinity Stones. And then a Thanos... Ga- <laughs> a Thanos Thanos Baby Bowser and like a witch on a broom come by and they're like, ha ha ha. And they take them and then they're scattered throughout the world. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to bring back the Infinity Stones. Nice. And that's your task as a Yoshi of the Yoshi Kingdom to get the stones back. Basically. Yeah. As you are. What else have you been playing this week, Ryan? That... Yoshi, and I played a bit of Dark Souls. I played some Sekiro. Um, I'm trying to work on parrying. My still... I, I got to Lady Butterfly, which is gives some people just a terrible time. Really? Um, I... There's, I guess, two stages. And I got a quarter, from, a quarter of her health left in the second stage. Hmm. So I almost beat her on my second attempt. Some people are saying that they took like three hours to beat her. Gosh. Or not you know, like not even beat her. Um, I just need to work on my parrying and kind of getting used to that. There's a um, a ninja guy that's giving me a lot of trouble, but he's like a glass cannon. Mm-hmm. So he does like this giant motion really quick, and you have to parry twice, and then you can go in, but he jumps back. So I'm trying to figure out how I do that. But it's really just to stam- kill a stamina and then kill him once or twice. I'm hoping that the strategy guide that I'm getting is very finely detailed and says like hey parry twice here go in also be cautious because he's going to jump forward because if it's just very for six if it's 600 pages i feel like it's going to be pretty damn detailed well don't underestimate items because i watched a speed run up into the point that i'm at mm-hmm. and i was watching how they use items and that uh the ogre Guy, the Fifty Shades of Grey dude you're stuck on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, if you use a sneak, like a the blue little orb-looking thing, you can basically sneak around and kill him once. Like, sneak kill him once, so he's down to one health. Okay. And then you can just kill him from there. Okay. Well, I'll definitely be picking your brain. I will seriously not be ashamed at all to have you help me through that game. Once yeah. 
I actually return to it. That's what friends are for. <laughs> Except you can't use it in Sekiro. <laughs> what, friendship? Friendship. <laughs> you know. Well, you can't summon people. I would have loved oh. to do a battle system in Sekiro. Like, PvP. Could you imagine? I wonder if they'll, like, patch that somehow Well, I think it's, it'd take away from the story of it. Like, yeah. people coming in and killing you as you're in, like, preparing for a boss or going after a mini-boss. Mm-hmm. But... To have like a PvP arena in Sekiro where you're just facing off against other people would be awesome. Separate to the story. Yeah, I'll be curious to see if they, if Miyazaki chooses to have anything. You were saying that he was doing a Game of Thrones game. Oh, that's right. So he wants to create more of a Souls-like structured game set in, um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a Game of Thrones game where it has, I don't think it has anything to do with the storyline of the books. It's yeah. completely its own. I'm sure George R. R. Martin is going to have some kind of creative um, input into this game. And it's going to be structured kind of like Game of Thrones where you go into these other kingdoms, you take down these rulers, and then you kind of acquire some of their powers and abilities and then go to the next kingdom. And it's just this giant open world. And that's really the only details we have. I mean, whether it even ends up happening or this is just some crazy rumor out and about right now. But if that happened, dude... That, I mean, could you imagine, like, a Skyrim, Dark Souls kind of melt? That's essentially what it would become. Yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah. Sign me up. But enough about the games that we've been playing recently, Ryan. We gotta get to listener mail. Listener feedback. Whatever it's called these days. Oh, yeah. You can write into the show at otakubrotherspodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter. I post updates about the show, show topics, all that fun stuff when the show is going out. You can also get on our Discord. Get on the fun discussion that's going on there. Link in the show notes below. Executive producer of the show, Travis, is actually going to be joining us on our Tolkien Extraordinaire episode debuting the weekend of Avengers Endgame. Could life get any grander, Ryan? No, I think we'll have to suffer through that together. Yes, we will. (laughs) So I bought three tickets, which was an adventure in and of itself because... The internet line to get into choosing hours, your tickets right? was hours. So I went on Fandango. I clicked the theater in the time that I wanted. And the theater that we have, you have to choose where you want to sit. Yeah. And so I chose the time, which was like 7.30 or something like that on Friday. And then it like put me in a queue to figure out my seats for like two hours at least. Yeah. And so I'm thinking, okay, so I'm going to wait two hours to figure out where I want to sit not even knowing if there's going to be any seats available for this time at the end of those two hours. And this was at the the AMC, kind of like the more high-class theater that's around us. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, you know what? Let's just see if where we saw Dumbo, there's any you know seating going on there, and it's quicker, which now they have reclining seats, so not a big deal. Yeah. Still co- comfy cozy for a three-hour and 58-second movie. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Joe Russo confirmed. Um, and fortunately I got in and got the tickets within 15 minutes. Loading times were still slow, but I got three tickets for Friday, 7, 7.30, whenever it is. And I told you and Lauren, I sent you both a text. I was like, hey, you got tickets for Endgame at this time. And she was like, oh, well, I'm going to be visiting a friend in another city. And I was just like, oh, crap. So then I was like, oh, what do I do? And Lauren's like, oh, you can ask dad. You can ask one of our other friends. And I was like, Pfft. Dad would not appreciate. Listen. Travis, executive producer of the show, would greatly appreciate this, you know, filling in this ticket. So reach out to him, and he was totally with it and uh, game for it. So he's going to come down and uh, from, you know, the great city of Erebor, and 
we are going to see Endgame Friday night, and then Saturday morning we're going to record a Tolkien episode, and you guys will finally find out that Travis is not a fictitious imaginary friend of ours. He's a real dude. A super cool dude at that. That I have yet to verify because I've never met him. Yeah, so... Travis... Or Travis is Rusty's imaginary Come friend. Come Friday, you're going to find out that I have a burner phone that I've actually been sending all yeah. these text messages but and writing into these emails. But enough about that. Travis wrote in last week before I told him that we were going to take the week off, and he said, Tolkien on the brain. A little bit of a mouthful here, so <coughs> take a seat, grab a you know, box of popcorn, cup of tea, whatever you need. Hey there, boyos. I've been digging back into the deep Tolkien lore and also playing lots of Shadow of Mordor. It's a game I wanted to play back when it first came out, but I had a PS3 and knew that the port got nerfed. And I can attest to that, Travis, because I played it on the 360. He said, I'm glad I waited because this has been a blast. A few things I have to point out. One, Ryan, listen up. It isn't hard. He didn't say that. I just added that in. <laughs> Stop being a bitch, Ryan. He also didn't add that. Or he also didn't put that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was in your texting to yeah. me. He said it isn't hard, like at all. I've taken out all the war chiefs and I've barely upgraded uh, Talion, the main character, aside from a couple finisher moves and a couple bumps to his health bar. Orcs be dumb. Just run away. Number two, this lends itself to a fun experience so long as you're patient. I've taken out captains much too strong for me just by luring their stupid selves around to environmental tools I could use. I just did one where I'm in a stronghold and have to kill 30 to bring out the war chief. I got swarmed quickly, but I just ran through the crowd, jumped to the roof, led them to a small room where they stacked a bunch of explosive barrels, and oh, hey, there's the war chief. All this to say, it's becoming a fairly mindless action game for me, and I'm really enjoying it after the heavy story stories I played through in Uncharted 4 and God of War. I, of course, have a bunch of Tolkien questions for you two as a result, but I'll bank them for the episode. Okay. I've also found some cool uh, Imjor factoid lists I can share in the Discord prior to the episode, as well as one of the, the most contested things about Tolkien fans, an accurate map. It's hard when the Middle Earth we all know from the Third Age begins completely different and goes through not one, but at least four titanic changes to reach that point. Until then, continued thanks for doing what you do. You are most welcome, Travis. And I'd also encourage you to post the link to that on the Discord because you shared it with me um, through text. He says, okay, okay, fine. Just a couple questions. Just to, you know, whet the appetite. There's already going to be way too much to discuss anyway. Um, I also like marinate the appetite. That would have been a good word choice there, Ryan or uh, Travis, but I like wet is uh, it's good. good. Marinate the appetite? Yeah, you know. Just get things a little uh, juicy, you know. <laughs> that makes no sense. <laughs> I don't know, Ryan. Um, what the whistle? There it is. Number one, considering all of the races and warriors we've seen in Tolkien lore, which race are you and what's your weapon of choice? Pretty sure I've asked this before, but it's almost been a year since we've heard your answers. I'm a dwarf fan. Not sure why, but it's also been that way for nearly two decades. I have... Oh, he says, <laughs> he said, I'd have a giant warhammer. Did he say what race he is? A dwarf. A dwarf. I would be a, a Valar, Ooh. and I would um, use my corrupting powers to go the way of the Morgoth. So, um, <laughs> I'm trying to... Valar, it's V-A-L. I'm trying not to make myself look like a complete noob when it comes to Tolkien lore, um, but I wanted to see... Is Gandalf a Valar? No, he's below a Valar. He's a um, Mayar. So basically there's Valar. So there's Eru Iluvatar, then there's Valar, which are basically like 
Zeus and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a god for each one of the elements. So, the god of the eagles, the, like, tall place or mountains or whatever, he was the one that Gandalf was under when he was in the other continent or area. Okay. The Undying Lands. Gotcha. So... Yeah, Morgoth was actually the smither, Valar, and then he turned evil, and then he started corrupting things. And nice. he was the one who like created the orcs by torturing elves and other beings. Very cool. Yeah, I'd be the torturer of humans. Very nice. Well, you torture humans <laughs> enough on this no, podcast. No, no, I, right I would really like... I think a Nazgul would be fun with a, that flail from the Witch well, King. Well, if you played... I'm not going to get into that. That's spoiler territory. Anyways, um... Hmm. For that, me, but that's a second game. I think Mirkwood Elf would be a nice choice. Okay. Uh, but also, why Mirkwood? I don't know. I just when I thought of elves, I just thought Mirkwood for some reason. You want to be uh, Legolas? But one of my other th- points. So who were the 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 fine bearded gentlemen that when Sam was cooking potatoes for Gollum and um, Frodo, then they had you know the Pelennor field people walking through yeah. with the Oliphants. And then all of those dudes, including Faramir, came out and was just doing the arrow game. Who are those gentlemen? I mean, those are Gondorian soldiers, yeah. but... From Minas Tirith. From Minas Tirith, but... I'm thinking of a, a race that was in the Battle of Middle-Earth games, and it's not coming to me. I don't know what I thought it started about. with an M. And maybe it was Mirkwood. I have no idea what you're talking about. Hmm. Yeah, I can't. It's not coming to me. So I think I'd be a Gondorian soldier, just super lame as I am in real life, just because You'd be that like pink-looking deformed orc guy. <laughs> what? Who like jumps out of the way of the rock and then he spits on it in the movies? Oh yeah, yeah. He's, he's a he's sight for sore eyes. Face looked like hardened cottage cheese, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, the ladies love it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd I'd probably be a Gondorian soldier, and I would just have a sword very much like. Um, Gandalf's? Aragorn's, actually. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. The King's Sword. That's right. Isildur's Blade. I actually named my character in Dark Souls 3 Isildur. Nice. What did you name yours? Oh, gosh. What did I name mine? It was uh, another Lord of the Rings oh, character. Oh, Strider. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Aragorn, of all people. Uh, good stuff. Uh, I'd like to... Yeah, I'm wearing, like, Nazgul robes. Mm-hmm. So I'm wearing a... Um, it's like a pyromancer helm. Like the, you know the dudes who have that those sticks with the star like things on it and they shoot fire at you? Mm-hmm. And they got the like silver helmet. That's what I have. And then it's like a basically a fire witch. And then I've got those fire witch claws. And then I've got that the cape. Nice. The so, cape's awesome. It is awesome. Mm-hmm. It, uh, fashion souls. That's, that's right. I, how I play. I think once I'm a little bit more OP, I'm just going to really put on some stuff that really has no bearing on my armor. Running <laughs> around in underwear. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Uh, question number two here from Travis. He says, do you have a favorite fact about Tolkien's world? Could be simple. That hobbits get to eat, drink, and smoke leaf all day. Could be from the deeper lore. One of mine that I'll share early. The Ents exist as a direct consequence of the dwarves existing. Ryan and I will be able to explain in more detail later. Are you aware of that? Sure. But the short version is that the Valar, speaking of, who made the dwarves love... Uh, The dwarves loved the earth and rocks and metal, and his partner loved the trees and plants. She grew afraid that the dwarves would screw it all up, so she begged for aid, and the ends were created specifically to keep the dwarves from cutting down too many trees. Well, I I guess I have two, which doesn't answer the question. But um, one, it was when 
Tolkien formed this universe in the trenches of World War One mm-hmm. as a soldier, as kind of I would say a coping mechanism. But he's uh, there's that Tolkien movie coming out. I want to see that. It looks great, but I think it's so interesting that how people cope. Uh, to <laughs> you were looking off in the distance, gazing so eloquently into I, the wall. My here. thing is when I am thinking, I look off and like. I know that's why I'm here to keep you on right. track. When so you, you, you speak think, into your look mic. to the right or look to the left, whatever. Um, that or I was listening to something where um, why the elves and the dwarves hate each other. It's because the people that Eru Iluvatar made were the elves to be like the people to inhabit the Middle Earth, and one of the Valar made these creatures, the dwarves, and they were like soulless creatures because the Valar can't breathe life. The only person who can create life is Eru Iluvatar, mm-hmm. and um. Uh, Iluvatar or Eru ended up finding these guys and he said, okay, I will, um, I'll give them life. They went into like the sleep until they were awoken. Um, but they will forever be at odds with my people, the people that I created. Mm -hmm. And that's partially why the elves and the, um, dwarves hate each other. There's also some stuff with them stealing a necklace and the Samarils and like blaming each other for shit. But like at the core, it's, one was created by the god of the Tolkien universe, and one was created by the Valar, not directly because of the god. Is that your answer? Yeah, hobbits are cool. That's my answer. <laughs> uh, As you zone out. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think Travis hit the nail on the head for me. The hobbits are probably just one of my favorite races because I think they live such simple and quiet lives, you know, on these beautiful countrysides. Everyone really knows each other. You have people just farming, walking around, going to the pubs at night, just living a very simple, clean, fun, joyful life. And if if Howard Shore's music is just playing on like loudspeakers in the background, like the Hobbiton theme, mm-hmm. um, wow, what a beautiful life that would be. Hobbits are cool is your interesting fact. Uh, we have a favorite fact about Tolkien's world. First of all, I know jack crap about Tolkien's <laughs> okay. world compared to you guys. Yeah. And I don't even want to try and explain something that's so factually incorrect that Travis takes a hot heaping piece of like crap on me when he visits me, you know, in two weeks. That'd be entertaining. <laughs> yeah, that'd be I'd, entertaining, be, I'd laugh. But I'd probably be emotionally scarred for the rest of yeah. my life. And I'd probably like rip Travis's endgame, even though it's electronically sent to me. In, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in, Take uh, that, RFID. <laughs> what is that? Oh. The thing that you scan into theaters. Wow, okay, I thought it was a QR code. Whatever. Oh, no, RFIDs are what you scan in for, like, packaging and stuff for manufacturing. Yeah, see, get out of here. Well, you can shove your QR code straight up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I will. Happily. Mm. Mm, like that square. Yeah, what? It's, it's a square. Just. We're moving on. So, Ryan, the only other... E- Thanks, Travis, by the way, for writing in. His his uh, his little footer for his email said, Sorry, went for short, and ended up long again. <laughs> for the number of times that's happened, Travis. But we Was actually... 36? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You only got other questions that we got were on Instagram, actually. Cool. And they were all Game of Thrones related. Yeah. So, do you want to just... We can answer those, and then we'll go into the Game of Thrones stuff. Well, a lot of these are very specific to, like predictions and okay. stuff like that so i mean do you want me to answer these or do you want me to ask these now so they're predictions very like who will win the battle between clegane the clegane brothers oh okay so that is very much and then who's going to be on the throne at the end 
um, stuff like that. Yeah, let me uh, let's go through the plots and like talk about each season. Okay, and then we can get into uh, predictions. So originally, Ryan's very detail oriented. Love him to death, but sometimes he needs to have someone to kind of bring him back to earth a little bit. He wanted to do a synopsis for every single episode for Game of Thrones for you fine folks. And I was like, bro, first of all, I don't want to hear you talk for 45 minutes about Game of Thrones only to realize we've only gotten through the second season. And so I said, why don't you watch these IGN videos that they've put together that essentially summarizes all the major events in each season in about five to eight minutes. And so he's like, yeah, so then I can actually sleep the next three days. And so that's what he did. Yeah, I slept some. And so, again, I want to preface everyone by saying that if you have any inkling of interest in watching or reading Game of Thrones and spoilers aren't your thing, you've been warned. We are going to talk through all the major events from season one through season seven right now. Yeah, so these are short sentences, so if it sounds kind of like... Choppy. Choppy. uh, Bear with me. So, and honestly, and I just want to jump in and say one more thing. Like, if you want very detail oriented, I want to know what happens in every episode. I'd actually encourage you to go to the Wikipedia. Watch every episode. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you don't have the time to do that, go to the Wikipedia page where the, the page is literally called List of Game of Thrones Episodes. And they literally have detailed paragraphs of what happens in each episode. You could probably get through all those in, in like a couple hours. Or there's. Uh, season one synopsis or synopses that were like 27 minutes. So mm-hmm. if you want a more detailed one with actual fun. footage, you know, yeah. stuff like that. But Can honestly, editing all that together be rough. Yeah. But Making honestly, the sound of the video, I think I can definitively up. say this is like top five shows for me. Yeah. It's probably my favorite. I mean, we'll get into it. Ryan, go ahead and get into the, uh, <laughs> all right. Season one opens in Westeros at the end of a long summer. Um, It starts out with um, some knights going north of the wall. Um, They're attacked by White Walkers. And then one person survives that attack. Ned Stark kills the survivor (laughs) by chopping off his head. And why did he kill him, Ryan? Because he's a deserter of the Night's Watch. And And he deserves to die. So it's the Night's Watch is basically these people who were tasked to protect the wall... Um, because beyond the wall are White Walkers, which haven't been around for a thousand years, and Wildlings, mm-hmm. which are just wild people north of the just wall. Just like savages. They're just wild. Mm-hmm. Um, so then Robert, the king of King's Landing, visits Ned and wants him to be Hand of the King, um, because John Aaron was sick, in parentheses, um, but he was actually, he and dies, from what they think, but he was actually poisoned by the Lannister. The Mad in- King. The Incest Twins. Right, isn't John Aaron the Mad King? No, he was the Hand of the King. Oh, okay. Well, see, I'm already screwing things up. Yeah. The Mad King was a Targaryen. It he was, was Danny's yeah. father. Uh, so, Ned brings his two uh, daughters to King's Landing. Sansa, I have written as a girl, <laughs> and Arya the tomboy. Um, Rob and Catelyn at, are just chilling at Winterfell, their home, with Bran, who is now a cripple. Because he saw the Lannister incest twins doing it. Oh, and then there's also that recon one who everyone kind of forgets about. It doesn't really matter. Recon so, one. Rickon. Oh, Rickon, yeah. Yeah, he 
He shows up like three times in the entire season. And then Ramsey shoots an he arrow through his chest. shoots an arrow through his chest. So, cool. He's like the cannon fodder bro, bro mm-hmm. you know? So, Ned sucks at being political with his snake council. But he is beautiful because he's Sean Bean in Rest in Peace, Boromir. Yeah. He dies in everything. So, um, on the snake council, um, there is Varys and Littlefinger, who are ba- basically very sneaky snakes when it comes to how they do business. Um, so, let's see... Ned finds out that all of the kids of Robert are actually incest babies and Robert's bastards are everywhere. Um, one of the main bastards is Gendry, who is chilling in King's Landing. And Smith in some cool-looking armor. Mm-hmm. Um, Cersei orders the death of her husband. He ends up getting impaled while drunkenly hunting boars. And Joffrey cuts off Ned's head. Um, Ari- Whoa, okay, let's not, <laughs> let's not so quickly... <laughs> gloss over that so game of thrones is typically known for the penultimate episode episode nine leading up to the season finale episode 10 is typically the most crazy and when game of thrones first aired for those that hadn't read the read the books you know ned was wrongly accused of treason played by sean bean of course and he is brought up to this whatever this podium if you will stadium there's there's a whole bunch of people in King's Landing, you know, in the crowd. Yes. And Arya, his youngest daughter, is one of them. She's standing on this statue, um, or at the foot of this statue. And Sansa, of course, is on the stage with um, Cersei. Her future husband. Yeah, Joffrey Cersei and her Cersei. future husband, jo- Joffrey, who's the child of Jamie. Who's just a complete douche. Oh, he's the... Second douchiest character in this. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see who you think is the first. Bolton? Ramsey. Oh, absolutely. The creator of Reek. The whole, yeah, 100 times worse. Um, and so they basically said, like, you must bow to Joffrey, say he's king, and um, uh, not agree, but admit your treason. Yeah. So he does that. And then Joffrey says, like, you know, my mother said that I'm going to send Ned to the, uh, the, the men's watch or the night's watch. So he's going to serve there for the rest of his life. Sansa wants me to spare her father. But he's like, but that's not the king that I'm going to be for you people. Bring me his head. And then everyone starts freaking out. Even Cersei, which surprised me, like was like, Joffrey, this is this is crazy. Well, she, for, so I watched it like two seasons leading up to this. And like one of the lines that she was talking to Joffrey, like maybe episode one or two was basically like, he Joffrey was talking about stomping his enemies. And like, we hate the North or we don't trust the North, like the Starks. And she's like, he's like, why don't we just crush them? She's like, well, then we'd start a war, mm-hmm. basically. And that's why she was pulling him back. Was basically, yeah. she foresaw, because she's tactical, that starting a war. Mm-hmm. And it did. And so. so when Ned was walking up to this stage, he told... Who was the person that he talked to? You knew that person's name? Who? What? The guy that ends up bringing Arya under his wing. Do you remember his name? Some guy. So yeah, so he basically says, find my daughter and make sure she doesn't witness this. Mm-hmm. Or his youngest daughter. And so Arya, when she sees what's about to happen, she has this little needle sword that Jon Snow had it created for her because she he knew that she wanted to be a warrior. So she's like running up to the stage and this man grabs her and puts her face into his chest and says, you can't, like, don't watch this. Yeah. So... See, if I was allowed to go detailed for every episode, I would have had... Well, and that's why, like, things. that's why when you're kind of going through, I'm going to interrupt you on the parts, like, hey, let's elaborate on this. Because Ned dying was a huge, <laughs> like, punch yeah. in the gut for fans. No, I... 
Yeah, when I saw that, because I had not read any of the books, and I didn't really know it happened. And I saw that, I mean, from episode one to when he dies in episode nine, he's kind of, I mean, they start out with the Night's Watch, and then he goes right to Ned. So he's such a like main character. He seemed like he was going to be the face of the show. Yeah, I thought he was going to be like the main character that we follow around from... But uh, when they killed him off, I realized what type of show I was watching and yeah. why it was so um, well-received as a show. Yep. Okay, so Ned dies. Arya escapes. Uh, Sansa has to marry Joffrey, which kind of sucks. Uh, Catelyn blames Tyrion for Jon Arryn's death because of the dagger um, that uh, the assassin tried to kill Bran with. Mm-hmm. And because Cersei and Jamie, again, were doing it in this tower. Bran liked to climb. He climbed up the tower, saw them. Jamie pushed him out the window. And so when Cersei found out that Bran was actually still alive, yeah. she had someone try and kill him. And then Littlefinger told uh, Catelyn, I think, that that dagger used to be his, but he gave it to Tyrion, Tyrion uh, when they were in the brothel. So, um, so then they or at the Eyrie, I think it was, and he proves his innocence through a trial by combat. Um, and then Braun, his sellsword guy, defends his honor and pushes the dude at the moon door. So Winterfell secedes from the north, obviously after they uh, learned that Ned was killed and won a few battles. Meanwhile, in Essos, the Targaryens are plotting their comeback in the fourth quarter. Um, <laughs> Um, let's see. Viserys marries off Danny to the horse lord Caldrogo. Viserys is the brother of Daenerys. Yes, the older brother who has the most claim to the throne. Um, so you think? Ha 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 ha! Spoilers. So Viserys is cocky and gets his crown. Uh, by that, he ends up threatening um, Danny's future kid with Caldrogo uh, because she's pregnant. And by the way, Cal Drogo is played by the beautiful man that is Jason Momoa. It's basically put him on the map. No, he was on uh, Baywatch, like Hawaii or like something like that. He, well, even after Game of Thrones, he really struggled to find roles. Did he? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's. If he, I, I've watched dozens of interviews after watching the show with all the characters naturally, and yeah, he. I think it was on Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel that he struggled to find roles after Game of Thrones because. He was just this big, big Sasquatch of a man. He was speaking Dothraki the whole time. Like, I mean, there were some people that literally thought like that was an actual language and that was all he spoke. Like, they didn't, you know. So they weren't gonna yeah. sign him on to play. Aquaman Bond. was like, pretty good. I saw that one. You did. You liked it. And him? like, he definitely incorporates that like Hakka esque and like the oh the Hawaiian kind of, yeah. yeah. It's really cool. So yeah, then. Khal Drogo ends up like, oh, you want a crown? I'll give you a crown. And he puts, like, his gold necklace in a thing, melts it, and then they, like, his some of his Dalthraki hold Viserys, and they pour this pot of gold on his head, and they said, there's your crown. Which, if he was true dragon blood, as Daenerys is, it shouldn't have burned him, because... I I don't know about that. I think Tickens... Like, in theory, that would be true. Mm-hmm. I don't know, because, like, there's... From what I was reading or listening to, um, the way that not being like being fire resistant is a lot different in the books as it is in the show. Mm-hmm. Like it has a lot to do with like magic and like blood magic and that kind of stuff. Okay. When it in the show, she's basically like fire retardant. 
Like she just walked through fire and like mm-hmm. jump in lava and swim. Yep. So yeah, he gets his crown. Um, Danny finds love. Um, and then a, survives an assassin with the help of, uh, Sejora. Yeah. Mormont. Um, Danny loses, uh, brother, her husband. And okay. So basically Danny loses her husband who ends up getting into a fight and they're getting like a disease. And then she has to like talk to this witch person who's like, Oh yeah, I can help save him. And like, she ends up like sacrificing her baby unknowingly to save or like bring back hell drug or keep him alive. But he basically just turns into a vegetable. Yeah. So he's a vegetable and the bait like basically screws up her ability to have kids. And then she ends up, I think, what, smothering him, mm-hmm. which is a sad scene. Um, then uh, Danny gets dragons out of the smoldering ashes of the blood witch's corpse. And basically the eggs hatch through a blood magic. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how the dragons hatch that we thought were originally described as stone. Mm-hmm. In one of the first episodes, I think the first episode. Uh, so then Jon Snow goes to the Night's Watch. Um, and hopes to find his uncle Benjen that he saw at the party when the um, Lannisters were there. Um, he doesn't have many friends up there, but meets this dude named Sam. The best. Sam is awesome. And he also, um, he makes friends with the Lord Commander. And Lord Commander, who's basically the head of the Night's Watch, gives him Longclaw. The Valyrian sword. Beautiful sword. If I was, If I could cross universes, I would basically be a Gondorian soldier wielding long claw with ghost by yeah side. i think ghost is gonna make an appearance in season eight he better where the hell has he been for the past like three seasons uh off doing ghostly things i guess <laughs> so we should have prefaced this also by saying in episode one they're off you know scavenging the the wilderness as um the stark kids do and they found a giant dire wolf had been like a, some impaled cream, by a deer impaled by a deer and it had a, um, what, like five or six pups near it. Yeah. And so they were, Theon Greyjoy was originally, originally just going to kill it. And Bran was like, Dad, please no. And then uh, Rob Stark was, hey, there's one for each of the Stark kids. And then as John was walking up, he saw one more. And it was like an albino yeah. direwolf, essentially. And I think it was either Theon or Rob that basically said, um, you're the perfect for the bastard. You know, yeah. because John is the bastard son of Ned. Yeah. So we think. Yeah. So season two. Season two. So it starts out War of the Five Kings. So this is uh, King's Landing versus a bunch of Robert uh, brothers, sons, along with the North. Um, so Sans, or Stannis, which is one of, I think, the brother of Robert Baratheon. Mm-hmm. He uh, has a red witch. The... Um, he basically convinces people that he's the hero from the prophecy of Azor Ahai. Oh, of course. So do you know anything about that, or do you want to explain Azor Ahai? No, I don't really want to get into it, actually. I don't want to bore the listeners. So Azor Ahai is actually really important. Okay. Um, so if I can remember this correctly, Azor Ahai is basically the prophecy that, um, oh gosh, that under these circum- or certain circumstances, like I think there are multiple... Give me a sec. We don't need to go into this, dude. Just keep doing. It's important. Two. Basically, maybe John Snow or Danny is potentially Azor Ahai, or 
uh, Jon Snow is a potentially Azora High. But it's an important thing. When we save and get go to a break, I will look it up Google and it. explain. So Catelyn meets with Stannis and tries to form an alliance against King's Landing. Doesn't go well. And then she's blamed for uh, Renly's death by Masandra's Cooch Ghost. And then uh, Phasma protects uh, captured... <laughs> okay, so first of all, her name is Brienne of Tarth, Gwendolyn Christie. Okay, so Brienne of Tarth protect... I have Phasma listed the entire explanation because I just could not think of Brienne of Tarth. That's fine. So Phasma protected Jaime um, back to King's Landing to trade for the Arya sisters, which is kind of Catelyn's idea as a trade because mm-hmm. he's captured. Um Arya is coming home and then is captured. She works third shift for Tywin Lannister and is let free by no one. Um, she meets no one or saves no one's life. Um, his name is Jackin Hagar. And he's like, yo, you should come to uh, Bravos and train under me. You can be my apprentice. Uh, Tywin tries to uh, make Joffrey chill because he's kind of, he was like whipping Sansa, uh, Tywin commands the army of uh, King's Landing and wins the Battle of Blackwater by wildfiring Stannis's fleet. Joffrey wants to marry Marjorie. Um, Who's also a beautiful person. Oh, she's gorgeous. Dude. Um, Natalie Dormer is her name? Yes. She's like 32 or 33. 37. 37. She's almost over the hill. Yeah. She looks amazing. Yeah, it's crazy. She looks younger than I am. Well, <laughs> you've also been working a pretty stressful job the past two years, man. That's true. Um, so Joffrey picks Marjorie over uh, Sansa, which kind of sucks for Sansa. Always or is good. Stick. Yeah, so Starks are betrayed by Theon Greyjoy, who is also a dick. Uh, pretends to kill Bran and the other ones. He ends up just torching some farmer kids. Um, <laughs> you gotta feel bad for him because, okay, let's just burn these people to a crisp. Yeah. And then instantly Theon is betrayed by his own men, which sucks. Um, Denny makes her way to Karth. Some merchant dude offers a, to fund the journey or the war um, invasion for marriage. Um, Karth's version of Voldemort steals dragons and then he's cooked. He's like that wizard snake looking guy who kind of looks like Voldemort in the tower. Do you remember when she, they steal his dragons? Oh no, dragons. dude! That's just that's that's Snoke. Yeah, Before, he, he kind of does have those robes. Yeah, no, he totally is Snoke, dude. Because they said he was from the far reaches or realms of the galaxy, in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah, so Snoke steals the dragons there and then is. just gets uh, torched. Where are my dragons? <laughs> did you end up watching that video of her vision? I did. What do you think? Uh, well, I think it paints a picture like the Night King's going to take the throne almost because winter has come and the throne has like ice all over it. She has like visions. Uh, Do you know the context of it? She basically has visions when she's in this like Snoke's lair and she sees King's Landing. It's all covered in snow and like the roof is off and like it showed one of them was like her and her son and her husband, Caldrogo, which obviously doesn't happen. Yeah. And before, so before she goes, walks into that tent She's at the wall, and that door opens. It's There's a blizzard. You can't really see anything, and she sees a tent in the distance. She goes into the tent, talks to Cal Drogo, and then kisses her baby and, like, walks out. Yeah. So, cool things, potentially predictions. 
Yeah. No, we'll get into that. We'll see. Um, so, Karth version... Let's see. Are we in season three yet? No, we have oh a couple gosh. more sentences. So, Merchant is locked away with the hoe. So, basically, they're going to... Like, one of Danny's people is, like, trying to convince her to, like, go with this merchant guy. And they end up, like, oh, no, you're going to betray me. You were actually sleeping with the merchant. And then they lock him away in that vault. Um, Jon Snow goes north and meets Craster. Um, Craster has been given incest children to the White Walkers for peace. Um, and basically the White Walkers would take these sons and turn them into White Walkers. So that's how he's funding his army. Um, John goes to the Fist of the First Men to assassinate Mance Raider, who is the Wildling Uniter, uh, north of the Wall. Um, John pretends to defect, and Sam sees a White Walker with the army. Ooh. Yeah, really... Anywhere there are White Walker things, I am happy. What do you mean? So, like, that's the thing where Sam was hiding behind, behind a walk, a, walk, a, a rock, mm-hmm. and he, like, looks up, and there's, like, a White Walker there who's just like, oh, you're a thing. And then he does that, like, he holds up his pike, and he screeches mm-hmm. in, like, ice language. Mm-hmm. And then you just see the, uh, like, the entire army of the dead walking forward. It's it's puzzling to me why they didn't kill Sam. Yeah, me too. But apparently the Night King, the actor, has been quoted as saying in an inter- interview. Did you read that article I sent you? Yes. Which one? You sent me like three. Well, one of them was like four pages of quotes from all the actors and actresses. I got through like the halfway through the second page. Oh, well, see, it was page three when this was quoted. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, the Night King was quoted as saying he has one particular enemy. Like, one person that he is seeking to kill. Yeah. I think it's Bran. I think it's Bran as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's the three-eyed raven, and he's kind of basically the tie to the um, children of the forest. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's also the children of the forest who turned him into the Night King, so he's kind of pissed about that. All right, well, let's keep going on, because we're almost two hours here, and I don't want this to be a three-hour episode. Yes. Okay, so season three. Some of these are shorter. Cool. So, Westeros is still fighting the War of the Five Kings. Lannisters are winning because of the Battle of Blackwater with the ship off. Um, Melisandre uses King's Blood of Gendry to curse Stannis and his ri- or Stannis's rivals. So that's like um, Rob Stark, uh, Joffrey, and then like some of the other brothers of Robert. Um, Rob loses allies, and Rob gets his nurse. Instead of Filch's daughters. So Rob basically, he was going to make a treaty with Filch or Frey. Filch and Walder Frey. Yes. Who's played by uh, Filch. The, the <laughs> Filch? Fitch? Filch. Filch. Because Filch's cat was the one that was petrified. Exactly. In the Harry Potter series. Yes. So um, he was supposed to marry one of those daughters as an alliance. He chooses a nurse over um, one of those daughters. Um, Sansa has to marry Tyrion and Sir Loras has to marry Cersei. No one's happy about any of that. Um, Jamie isn't having fun with Phasma, loses his hand, fights a bear, takes a bath. Um, he ends up making it home. Um, <laughs> casually hand gets chopped off, wrestles a bear, takes a bath afterwards. He's good. Yeah. Makes it home. Um, let's see. Let's see. Theon is torched and loses a piece of himself. 
he's tortured. That's what it is. He to- he's tortured by uh, Ramsey Bolton, and he loses a piece of himself that is sent back to his family. He gets uh, his nads cut off. He which does. Is, which is always fun. Um, Rob makes peace with the fray, or so he thinks. They have a wedding with one of his, I think his uncle or something, with one of the fray daughters. Rob is killed. The nurse is killed. Catelyn is killed. And this is the purple, or the red wedding. The red wedding. And so basically, the Lannister, is it the Lannister music starts playing? Yes. Up, and so at first, Catelyn's like, wait, what, what, why is that music playing? Oh, no, he she looks over and sees armor on the guy next to him. Well, yeah, because he says, I'm wearing my chain mail. And she's like, what? And they, the, the Lannister music starts playing, and she slaps this guy because she realizes that something's about to go down. And she's like, Rob. And he's like, what? And he gets shot with like three arrows. And then someone comes up behind his nurse uh, wife, and she's pregnant at this point, by the mm-hmm. way, and gets stabbed in the, in the stomach like eight times. And then he's just like, what the heck? So he's like on the ground crawling, trying to make it to her, and she's bleeding out with their unborn child clearly dead at this point. And so then, what, he stands up and he was like, oh, the person's standing up. That's great. And this person comes over to Rob and says, the Lannisters stand their uh, remarks or whatever. Yeah. Stabs him and kills him. Catelyn freaks out, so she grabs one of the Frey's wives or daughters or whatever, slits her throat and is crying because she just lost her son and her, you know, uh, grandchild and her daughter-in-law, and then someone comes over to her and slits her throat. Yeah, happy times. Always That was such a, like, I had no idea that was coming. Mm -hmm. And I was watching that completely raw, and I was like, what the hell just happened? Yeah. Like, I had to re-watch it. I'm like... Uh, yeah, sure, like Ned dying. And like, there's lots of people who died throughout the season, but like that was massacring an entire family, like an entire house worth of people. It was brutal, really brutal to watch. Did you have any idea that was coming? Unfortunately, yes. God, this is why you you fucking ruin it for yourself. <laughs> Dude, I'm terrible with spoilers. I'm so Dude, bad at it. That would have been so much better raw. I know, but you know what? I'm going to watch raw and real. Season eight. What's up? Okay. Let's go. Season four. If you ruin season eight for yourself with spoilers, or people from the dark web at work, <laughs> dude, I'd, I'm going to be so pissed. No, I won't. I promise. Okay. That or Endgame. If you ruin that, I'm going to be pissed. Um, Let's see. Death, death, death. Let's see. Arya co-ops with the Hound, and they make their way to the twins um, for the wedding, and basically she's carried away because shit's going down with the Red Wedding. Um, Bran, Rickon, Hodor, a wildling, and two others learn about Raven Warg powers that Bran has, um, and they make their way further north. Sam steals Craster's daughter and kills a White Walker. So he steals Gilly, um, and he ends up getting dragon glass and like killing a White Walker. And so that's he finds out that that has the potential to kill White Walkers. Yeah. And also, I'm gonna just stop us real quick. All these notes are with. Bearing in mind that we're hoping the listeners that are still listening and haven't flashed forward or cut off the episode entirely until they watch the show, that you've already watched this show. So Ryan just saying like, yeah, Jamie, hand cut off, wrestles a bear, takes a bath, that actually makes sense to you. Otherwise, you're like, this is absolute nonsense. I mean, he's noted as one of the greatest fighters of all time. He ends up getting captured, getting his hand cut off, and then he goes back to save Brienne or Phasma, who isn't... Like, his only task to bring it back home, and he has no alliance to. And she's in he, a ring with a wooden sword trying to fight a fight giant a bear. grizzly bear. And he basically go jumps in, risks his own life, saves her from a bear, and then they take a bath, and he basically explains that, like, 
everyone knows me as King Slayer, but and that's one of my favorite scenes in the entire really thing, cool. Yeah, is he's like everyone knows me as King Slayer, but before he died, he was shouting, "Burn them all!" and he was ready to ignite wildfire and burn the entire city to the ground. And that's a Targaryen, the yeah, mm-hmm. the Mad King. Yep. So like, yeah, three like three um things back to back, but there's actually a lot of detail there. Yeah, and again, we're not gonna. I don't want to say bore you with the details, but if you've watched the show, you can this go... This is just el- kind of a recap, because I haven't seen the show full in its entirety in, like, three years. Yeah, and we, we figured a lot of listeners are probably the same, so let's keep going on this uh, synopsis yeah. train. Code co-ops, Hodor, learn about the powers, steals Gilly, um, Sam kills White Walker, um, and then Sam gives the 411 to the Night's Watch about the White Army arriving are coming up there so john meets mance um and then he learns that he knows nothing in a cave with uh igrid igrid his actual wife yes in her life which is great mm-hmm. um john escapes to warn man of man's attack and he gets shot by igrid um she's sad by that betrayal let's see danny travels to astapor for the unsullied army um she flames a deep egg is what i have written uh, which is one of the scenes I watch over and over. Yeah. Where basically, basically this dude's insulting her this entire time in um, a different language, uh, in Valerian, and she's that's actually her mother tongue, and like he basically she gives one of the dragons to him, and he gives him gives her the army, and she's like, "Is this done? Like, are we good?" And he's like, "Yeah, we're good." So he's, she ends up like giving commands in Valerian and everyone's really confused that she can speak this. And like the dude was like, Hey, tell this bitch, like, why isn't this thing, uh, listening to me? And she in Valerian says, um, dragons aren't slaves. Like as he treated this army and, uh, he's really confused. She explains her lineage and then she lights him on fire mm-hmm. with Drakari's and, I watched that scene so many times on YouTube because mm. you're like, hell yeah. Yeah. Like, stab all the people with whips. Um, <coughs> so, after that, she wins the love of the second sons, which is like those three like mercenaries with the leader being Dario, mm-hmm. that sexy man who like storms that city. Oh, yeah. And then Danny liberates the slaves of New Kai. Maisa, Maisa. Maisa. That's what they said. It's basically mother in their language. Oh, yeah, where they, like, swarm her and, like, lift her up. It's, like, a great... It's, like, one of the greatest Game of Thrones songs there is. And she walks into the crowd, and you see the dragons flying overhead. It's a cool moment. Yeah. Season four, let's go. All right, season four. So this is where shit gets really real. Uh, so Prince Oberyn Martell arrives to attend Joffrey's wedding. Uh, Oberyn... Wants revenge for his murdered sister, uh, Elia Martell. Then, purple wedding time. Joffrey is poisoned and dies. Heck yeah. So there's a couple people who kind of take... Littlefinger takes... um, Basically says, I did it. And there's one other person who does. Um, So Cersei blames Tyrion for this, obviously, because she doesn't like her little brother. Uh, Marjorie seduces Tommen, the boy king... He's like eight years old. Yeah. She's like, hey, you ever see someone who's naked before? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I know you're eight, but here you go. <laughs> yeah. um, then Sansa leaves um, 
leaves Ant at the Vale. So she goes to the Vale. Um, Jamie asks to hunt down Sansa. Um, then he gives Oathkeeper the sword, basically. Um, he gives the Valyrian sword that he has to Phasma because she kept her oath. And they become friends after their uh, bathtub scene. Mm. Uh, Podrick and Phasma head out to um, Sansa. Podrick is hilarious. He's great. I love him. Um, so Tyrion... Oh, shit. Tyrion on the trail and... Let's see. Oh, so Tyrion is on trial and his lover Shay betrays him. And he's like, I'm not going to get a fair trial. So he asks for a trial by combat. Which is seen as like the the way of the gods or the gods choosing. Um, Sir or Cersei uses uh, Gregor Clegane as her champion, the Mountain, and no one wants to be um, Tyrion's basically dude to fight. Um, so his brother Jaime, he has one hand, so he says no. And Bronn's like, I'm not stupid enough to do that. I'm looking out for myself. Uh, Prince Oberyn's like, Yeah, sure, I'll do it. And almost wins, but the mountain Hail Marys and crushes him with defeat. Basically punches out all of his teeth and then smushes his head. Yeah, that was a really... And he's like, basically, this is what I did to your sister. Mm-hmm. Which, oh, yeah. yeah. And they actually did a thing on um, Thor, the actor. And he has the strength to crush someone's head. Chris basically. Hemsworth? No, it's um, the actor's, part of his last name is Thor. That uh, Iceland guy. Oh, yeah. The mountain yeah, yeah. actor. The world's strongest man. So, um, let's see. Mountain saved by that dude who basically does experiments on him. Tyrion. He basically becomes Frankenstein, by the way. Yeah, which is even more terrifying. So Tyrion's pissed. He ends up strangling Shay, his lover. And because then... she's sleeping with his, her, his father. Yeah, and he like talks about being betrayed by his lover because his family paid tricks on him, and that's basically the same thing. And then he finds his father, who is um, looking at Instagram while yeah, on the John. Taking a nice dump. And dog pictures and stuff. Yeah, Samoyas. And uh, he shoots his father in the chest because he says he doesn't love him. So, let's see. Danny learns that being a queen is hard. Um and then other cities of Essos rise up. And then she learns, like, it's a blow to her because she learns by an intercepted message that Jorah Mormont is actually a spy. Or was originally a spy for Robert Baratheon to mm-hmm. keep tabs on her. Um, dragon puberty and fiery mood swings. So the dragons are getting a lot bigger at this point. Um, and they torch, they, like, kill livestock and they torch a boy. Um, so she... Uh, puts them, them away. But Drogon, Drogon flies away. Mm-hmm. Um, Theon is now Reek. Because Ramsay has like completely destroyed him emotionally. Yeah, as a human being. Ramsay Snow wants to be a Bolton. And basically he has to take Winterfell. Uh, Stark bros make their way home. Um, make their way home. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to close window. that window. Um they make their way to the home of the three-eyed raven um, because Bran has been seeing ravens in his dreams. Um, so he gets his way to the three-eyed raven. Dude, we got to hurry this up. Yeah. And he's told that he'll never walk again, but he'll learn to fly. Um, wildlings attack the wall, 
and end up the the Night's Watch ends up repelling them, um, but they take a lot of casualties. Igrid dies, which is super sad. Um, Stans, Stannis comes and attacks Mance Raider, and then Arya on a road trip with the Hound. She gets Needle back and she bumps into Phasma. They fight, which the Hound versus Phasma fight was amazing. Yeah, it was very good. It was intense, and I'm surprised it went the way it did. And then Arya makes her transition and heads over to Bravos. Nice. Which is where she becomes an assassin. So, season five? Let's do it. All right. Season five. So, Cersei is dreaming about a prophecy that she uh, would lose all the ones that she holds dear. She was told this as a kid by a witch. Uh, Cersei mourns the death of Tywin, her father, and Joffrey. Thomas is infatuated with Marjorie. Uh, Marcelle is in Dorne, which is basically Cersei's daughter. The Sandstakes want revenge because Oberyn died, and for a lot of other reasons, um, they want their revenge on King's Landing. Jamie and Bronn make their way to Dorne to rescue Marcella. Uh, the Sparrows are this, like, religious cult that Cersei uses to distract Tommen mm-hmm. and kind of go after her enemies, but it kind of backfires. Cersei is arre- arrested, tortured, and given the Walk of Shame, which oh, was boy. such a, like, crazy Walk of Shame. Like, she was forced to get naked, walk through the streets with that nun behind her shaking a bell saying shame. Cut her hair. Yeah, that would suck. Uh, Marcella is released, but she is kissed by one of the sand snakes, and it's poisoned. Uh, so she dies on their boat ride home. Uh, the mountain is now a zombie at this point. Danny is dealing with the Sons of the Harpy, which is basically the cities of Esteros's masked, like people that want to go after her, and they want slavery. Varys and Tyrion. Tyrion escaped to Essos to make his way to find Danny. Um... Jorah captures Tyrion on his way to find Danny, and basically in the hope to say, hey, I brought you a Lannister from the other side, from Westeros. Um, but they end up going through Valyria, and Jorah gets grayscale. Danny is stranded. Basically, she rides on uh, Drogon and is dropped in the middle of Draco- or, uh, Dalthraki territory. What are you taking pictures of? I'm taking pictures of the Instagram things because this is taking too long and my Instagram post is going to lapse and I'm going to lose the questions. Oh. Because it happens every 24 hours. That's interesting. So... Is it, Ryan? Is it... Sure. Oh, it's it's on my Bose speakerphone. That's why it's so loud. Oh, that's why. It's connected. Okay, so... Um, Arya makes her way to the House of Black and White. Arya goes on an assassin mission and she ends up going off script and kills... Uh, Marin Tyrant. It was basically a dude who was trying to have sex with kids. Um, as punishment, Jack and Hagar commit suicide and blinds Arya in the process. Sansa is forced to marry Ramsay. Um, Theon helps Sansa escape after he watches um, Sansa be raped by Ramsay. And that's when she lost her virginity, too. Is it? Yeah. Which is just ridiculous yeah that he would end up crying and he's like maybe i shouldn't be a bitch so john (laughs) what just that that theon shouldn't be a little bitch and actually do something yeah i mean because he ends up like claiming to be reek when his sister comes to rescue him Mm -hmm. 
Um, so John refuses to join Stannis. He ends up becoming Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. Not everyone is cool with that, though. Um, John wait, tries to he makes peace with the coolest guy, Tormund Giantsbane, the ginger of the North. Yes. And they go to Hardhome. And then at Hardhome, shit hits the fan. Uh, White Walkers attack as You Raise Me Up plays in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Stannis Sac- Josh Groban, whatever <laughs> yeah. his name is. That is one of my favorite scenes. It's actually the background on my laptop is the Night King just standing there like, what's up? And like all these whites are popping up mm-hmm. from all of um, Jon Snow's friends and all the wildlings. So Stannis sacrifices his daughter, which was a fucked up scene. Yeah, that was With fire uh, because the red woman... His wife ends up committing suicide because they she agreed. Um, Stannis loses and Phasma kills him. Uh, Sam sent off to become a maester because the current maester, who was a Targaryen, died. Um, John comes home for more or with wildling friends um, that he saved from hard home, and John is killed by the Night's Watch. Dun dun dun! End of season five. And if you read the books, you didn't know if he lived or not. So, and that's kind of where it left off. Oh, that'd be So, tough. like, the people for, like, years, like, the first three or, f- like, I guess five seasons knew that John died. Mm. So, they're, like, waiting for everyone to catch up and be like, holy shit. Like, yeah. This, he, this just happened. All right, so. Season six. Getting there. So, Melisandra wakes up John up. Uh, so, surprise, he's back. <coughs> Um, John's watch is up because he's basically has to serve his rest of his life. He technically did, so he got out on a clause. Uh, and then he hangs the traitors. I was so happy to see that kid hang. Oh, yeah, me too. He's a oh, my guy. gosh, choked to death. Mm-hmm. And, like, the other one was like, yeah, I, I did what I thought was right, like the other guy mm-hmm. um, next to him. And then the kid was basically, like, super pissed off still. Yeah. Like, I, I had respect for the dude was like, yeah, I did what I thought it was right, what was best for the Night's Watch. Uh, so they hit. Now John wants to head to Winterfell to reclaim his home. He sees Sansa again um, and doesn't listen to her a lot about uh, Ramsay and all that jazz. The Battle of the Bastards happen, and Rickon is dead. He gets speared through the chest with an arrow. Such a crazy episode. Yeah, my dad, when he watched that a couple, like, last week, he, he texted me after watching it in, like, in all caps, was just like, wow, that was a crazy episode. <laughs> Which, if you know my dad, he's not very verbose when he, in his text messages, very yeah. much just like, yes, see you there, bye. Yeah, yes, period. That's the worst. Yeah, I'm like, listen, I'm not a 14-year-old person, like, you know, dating some girl that's, you know. Passive-aggressive. Passive-aggressive, dad. Like, listen, just... Just meet me out for a, a drink or whatever food. What, I don't whatever. But yeah, the Battle of the Bastards is probably one of, if not my favorite episode in all of Game of Thrones. It's just on, on a scale of epic proportions in terms of the number of people on screen, how well acted it is. When John is trying to save Rickon and Ramsay's just toying with him, missing every time he's shooting these arrows, and then just as John reaches him with the horse and is about to grab him. And pulling up on the horse, he gets shot through right through the heart with an arrow and drops. And at that point, John was just livid. And so he's, he charges, and of course his horse gets shot. Yeah. He falls off, and, and Ramsey orders his men to charge with their horses. And so he pulls off his little you know um, belt and just pulls out Longclaw, and it's just like, let's go. 
and you're thinking like, um, John, you really, are you serious? Are you going to face this entire army? And at that point, I think it was Davos was like, follow your king. Yeah. And of course they're charging. So just as they're about to reach John, the other army of horses just completely crash. Oh, and it's crazy. Yeah. Like, and so uh, I watched the, the making of that scene and it was really cool because they professionally trained the horses um, to run at each other and just before they hit, they pulled back. So the way they filmed it, it looked as if they were colliding and all the, of course, the, the special effects and sounds that they put in after the fact in post, Yeah, it it sounded like they were actually clashing. But the way they filmed it, it was really just brilliant. Yeah. So. No, and they had like, I forget the number of horses, but they had like 50 plus horses. Oh, yeah. And they had a ton of people. Yeah. Yeah, it took a very long time. And so the music that plays, because in this episode, essentially... John and his men are done. I mean, they're going to lose this inevitably. They're and, surrounded by yeah. Ramsey because Ramsey's actually a good tactician. And they're basically like the 300 Spartans levels of tactics here. So they're behind their shields. They they put their spears yeah. out and then walk forward a little bit. And, uh, of course, Sansa talked to Littlefinger and was like, hey, I need your army. And so they come all on horses and just take all these people out. Um, but John almost died because he was almost trampled upon because all these guys were freaking out and trying to, to essentially retreat. Yeah. Eventually, he finds it within himself to get out of this pack of people. And once the horses come and save the day, like basically Gandalf riding in Helm's Deep with the Rohirrim, and he sees Ramsey. Ramsey's like, okay, I need to get the heck out of here. He yeah. backtracks to Westeros, is the gate? No, the to key? Winterfell. Winterfell. And, uh, the music that plays once John locks eyes with him and realizes he's running away is just this, like this really quick instrumental that's, oh, dude, it's so good. If you look up that scene on YouTube, it's great stuff. So he chases him, and what is it, 1-1 one, one, or 1-1? One, one? Yeah. The, the giant. One, one. He has like 500 arrows in him, but he still has it within himself to rip through the gate, and then John's men, of course, make it. They take out all the archers, and it's just Ramsey and John and Ramsey... The sly bastard is like, literally, um, he's like, now I think it, I, I want to have the, the one on one, the one on one. And so he, John grabs a shield, blocks the three arrows that Ramsey's able to fire off. And then Ramsey just has this last look as he's trying to pull this last arrow of, oh shit. And John <laughs> just hits him with the shield, jumps on top of him and just obliterates his face with his fists. Yeah, it took him 10 hours to film that punch scene. Which is crazy town. Yeah. And then he looks up, he sees Sansa and then. He doesn't end it. He lets him go to jail. And then she uh, feeds him to the dogs. Release the hounds. He's like, yeah, you starve your dogs. She's like, yeah, my dogs are lawyers. Like, you you starve them for like seven days. Mm -hmm. And then he just gets devoured. And he just, he's screaming and his blood everywhere. Oh, for so as sad. unsatisfying as some of the deaths are of our favorite characters, mm -hmm. there are some really satisfying that was deaths a really for good our least favorite characters. So, yeah. So right, I'm hoping Cersei, seven. when she dies, is paid off. Well, hopefully she dies. Hope she dies. <laughs> um, so I think my one of my favorite episodes is the one that comes next. So oh yeah, oh it's great. So Ramsay loses. John is king of the North. Um, Phasma tells Sansa that Arya is alive. So cool, that's happening. Um, Arya has a chance to prove herself. Um, again, she's currently blind. Arya kills Waif and turns out to be someone instead of no one. 
and uh, she then goes to Westeros. She just jumps across the ocean and kills Frey. That was such a great scene. Yeah. Where she uh, was basically like, uh, Walder Frey, Balder Frey, asks, like, where are my sons? Or like, I want them here. And she's like, yeah, they, they are here. And like, keeps Because she delivers like this chicken pot pie. Yeah. Which, chicken pot pie is great. Oh, yeah. Except when your sons are in it. Yeah. And she's like, oh, no, they're here. And like, he lifts it up and he sees like a toe. And he like, looks up, he's like, really confused. And she like takes off her face and like she's like i just you want you to know the north remembers kind of thing and just like slits his throat like the mom his her mom got her slot slot threat throat slit we'll take a break here soon yeah man. i'm struggling um so that was super satisfying so cersei loses her son um to the cult basically they the cult master um convinces him to become one with himself. Uh, abolishes the trial by combat, so Cersei can't just have the zombie mountain protector. Uh, Cersei has a plan and burns her enemies to the ground. This is probably one of my favorite episodes. And I almost want to leave it at that because the build-up to that scene, the music that plays in the background, is just perfect. Yeah, I think that's the finale of season six. It is. Yeah, that's yeah. season ten finale. I think season ten finale six oh, episodes yeah, episode ten season six. I think the song and I know I say this so often, but I can say this definitively. I get chills when I listen to it. The song is the best in all of Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, lots of violin. Um, so that yeah, it's perfect. Uh, Tommen jumps after seeing that kind of shit go down because Marjorie gets killed. Yeah, Marjorie pretty much all of her enemies. She solved the problem. So. Then the prophecy basically has come true and Cersei has lost everyone. Except uh, for the pregnant child that she currently has, which she will lose because she's going to get killed before she gives birth in season eight. Well, technically, we don't know she's pregnant yet, but I think she's probably pregnant after... Locus, was it Jamie rapes her over the dead... her Tommen's grave? No, that was Joffrey's grave. Was it? It was season four and she was mourning and she says, not here, jo or, not here Jamie. And he proceeds to rape her on, like, Joffrey's tomb. corpse. Yeah. All right. So, wrong son. Because Tolman never has a uh, funeral. Oh, yeah. They, he's like, you're not, you just goes right into be queen. Yeah. And he's, like, looking at her from the side. I do remember that. So, Denny is brought to, at this point, she's captured because um, Drogon left her for dead in the middle of uh, Dothraki lands. She's brought to the, basically, the ex-wives of all the cows and uh she lights shit up she basically burns all the cows to the ground she walks out naked and was like yeah what's up follow me she takes control um house Tyrell and martell join danny and Viserys, or and Varys. so she's getting more allies so that's cool so now she has a fleet and she has a bunch of money and then also Yara and Theon, the Greyjoys, join them, which gives her ships. And Danny sails west. Um, Danny learns of the White Walkers' past, or Bran learns of the w White Walker past, basically how they're formed. And in the show, they're formed by a like an ice dagger being stabbed into some dude's chest, mm -hmm. and he becomes the Night King. Um, he ends up chilling too long in a dream. And he's touched by the Night King, 
and the current three-eyed raven dies, and then the scene with Hodor holding the door, yeah. which is such a crazy payoff. Like, I didn't see that coming at all. No, because you just think that he's just this person that says, like, like Groot says, I am Groot. Okay, he just says that because that's all he says. But when you figure out that he had some seizure years and years ago or whatever and was saying, hold the door, hold the door, hold the door, hold the door, until it became Hodor. It's because, yeah, because he, like, Bran was in a vision where he was in the back seeing Hodor and, like, as a kid with his mom and he was so close to him in, like, the real, like, current time and basically it caused him to have a seizure and, like, to say hold the door and then meld that into Hodor, mm-hmm. which is just, I think that was in when um, the two directors met with, I almost said Tolkien. George R. R. Martin. Martin. Mm-hmm. They told, or Martin told him that and basically explained that to him. And he's like, they're like, holy crap. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. Um, so hold the door. Um, Benjen uh, has, was changed into a white walker. And then the children of the four, Forest changed him back, mm-hmm. so that's something that. But we he's know. still like technically dead. Yeah, he's still dead as all hell. But it's interesting that White Walkers can be changed back by the forest magic. Uh, Bran learns uh, John is the son of Lyanne Stark and Rhaegar Targaryen. Dun dun dun. So, season seven. So season seven, um, Cersei faces Danny's arrival. Um, at Dragonstone, which was actually where she was born. Cersei team um, w- teams up with Euron Greyjoy, and it was like the uncle of Theon uh, the Dickless. Euron wins against the Dornish fleet, which is a setback to Team Danny. Um, Jamie, while the Unsullied are attacking, um, I forget the name, Castle Rock, Jamie sacks Highgarden, and Elena drinks the poison and tells Jamie as she's committing suicide that she was the one who poisoned Joffrey. Yeah. Which was so satisfying. She went out like a badass. Um, Theon's fleet, fleet, or Theon is there while um, Euron is capturing or like destroying all of his ships, and basically he flees the battle because he's still at heart a bitch. Uh, Denny attacks uh, Jamie with dragons on the road, which is such a great scene. He just like, he looks up and he sees the Dalthraki horde coming at him, this supply line. And he's like, oh, crap. And he's like, you should flee, Jamie, or like one of his friends, Brent Bra- Ron. Ron yeah. He's like, yeah, you should flee. You're, you should go home and survive kind of thing. And he's like, I, we got this. We can stand. And then you hear the dragon screech in the background. And you're like, Oh shit! Yeah. And it just comes out like a seven forty seven out of the sky, and <laughs> yeah. it just flies over these Dothraki, and you're like, "Oh crap!" And it just torches like a line across this supply chain, and you just see Dickon in the background, Rickon's son. <laughs> Wait, what? Is that his name? Dickon is Rickon's son. Yeah. So Rickon is the like the father, like the main dude. Um, it's Samuel Samuel Tully's. Um, dad I oh think. okay and dickon is his son gotcha and um yeah he he looks over and you just see these burning corpses and him just like oh crap like i signed up for the wrong war and uh so yeah then 
Jamie does like a does a hail mary and tries to spear Daenerys, and that's when he Bronn comes in for yeah. the rescue. So that was cool. So Dickon and Rickon, uh, they are burned to death. Drogon is injured because she he got um, impaled by a spear, which was pretty cool, uh, but also sad. Um, Arya and Bran make their way or make it to Winterfell. Jon heads to Dragonstone to form an alliance with Danny. Uh, Sansa and Arya tag team Littlefinger, and that is another great payoff. Yeah, one of the most satisfying deaths in Game of Thrones for sure. Yeah, so they're in like the courtroom. And it's like, oh, you're, um, you've been tried with treason, betrayal, murder, and then she's like, how do you take these charges? Littlefinger, Lord, Lord Baelish. Yeah, she says so, and he's just like, what? Yeah, what? Excuse me. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Sansa. I don't. I don't know what you're and, saying. And then you watch the scene in Ario. Like he's like, no, please don't. Yeah, and like no remorse. Please, just, can we just go to the back room and talk about this? And Arya just slits, slits his, throat. his throat, sheaths it like nothing happened, just stands there. And as Sansa, you would be terrified. Yeah, because right before that, they had the scene like trying to build up tension between the two sisters to be like, oh no, what's gonna happen? Mm-hmm. It was like basically like I could have killed you if I wanted it. Yeah, which is creepy to hear from a sibling. Yeah. Um. So he dies. John and Danny end up becoming friends over Dragonglass. Originally, Danny was like, "Hey, I've got like a million and a half names." John's like, "Hey, I'm pretty much just John." <laughs> and uh, then Tyrion convinces him that he's a hot piece of ass and you should give him some glass. So he gives him some dragon glass and they become friends. Uh, Tyrion um, can, goes to King's Landing, sneaks in through the dungeon where all the dragon heads are, and convinces Jamie to convince Cersei for peace talks. And then this is where Cersei er, tells Jamie that she is pregnant. John ends up going to the north to get a white to convince Cersei during the peace talks that white walkers are a thing and we should actually care. They almost lose. Viserys gets piked with a javelin from the Night King, which was a crazy intense scene. Mm. Probably my favorite scene in the entire series. Yeah, so that far. build up. I mean, the men beyond the wall, or whatever that scene's called. Um, the watch. No, not the watchers on the wall. Beyond the wall is what it's called. Season six of. Frick. Episode six of season seven. Yes. That entire build up to them on the ice being surrounded. Daenerys comes in to save the day. One of her dragons, of course, gets piked by an Olympic javelin thrower, the Night King. <laughs> I actually had, on one of our work emails, there was a picture at the bottom, like, hey, this is what you have to do this week. And there at the bottom, it was a picture of the Night King with, like, a javelin in, like, a U.S. Olympics jersey. <laughs> Seriously, like, though. This is great. Um, um, so, yeah, then, of course, John Is saved by Benjen. Well, before that, so he... Once he, everyone sees, is it Viserys? Viserys. Yeah. Gets piked and falls into Viserion. the water. Viserion. falls into the water. Everyone's kind of just like bewildered and like jaw dropped. Like what, what just happened? And then John is pissed because the, the Night King at this point is probably 50 yards away from John. Mm-hmm. And John, because everyone is on the back of Drogon except for John at this point. And so he's like, go, because the Night King grabs another javelin as if he's going to throw to Drogon. Yeah, he wants the gold medal. Yeah. And so... John is like fighting all these white walkers and he ends up falling into the ice and they're left with no option at that point. They have to fly off and Drogon barely misses the the javelin yeah. throw and the Night King goes home with the silver. 
But then uh, John gets out of the ice and starts casually walking to the side as the White Walkers start leaving. And they hear this man just like, whatever John's doing. Breathing heavy. Yeah, breathing heavy because he just was underwater for how long. And they turn around just like, what's what's this noob doing here? <laughs> yeah. So they start what? So they start like chasing after him. Benjamin comes in with his like slinging Flaming, ball of ice. Yeah. Or ball of fire. Great throws, balls of fire. Throws John onto his horse and says, Go. And basically commits suicide. And then he dies so that John can get away. John goes back. Daenerys is sitting with uh, Sir Jorah at the top of the wall, thinking like John's gonna come back, and then he's just like, Okay, well I'm gonna leave. And Daenerys is like, yeah, there's no hope. She starts walking away. You hear the horn of Gondor. John's actually alive. He comes running on the horse. They rip off all of his clothes. Danny walks in, sees all the stab wounds. She's like, I want a piece of that hot ass. And then he's like, I can't actually. I can give you all this ass. I can't actually bend the knee right now, but trust me, I would. And then she's, they basically fall in love. Pretty much. It's a really romantic story. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they end up, let's see going to the peace talks and having the peace talks with the whites and um it's convincing but it they end up leaving because john isn't able to say he's neutral yeah he's he's already pledged allegiance Mm -hmm. um to the flag (laughs) of the (laughs) united targaryens of america so uh then there was (laughs) the sex scene is called uh song of ice and fire Mm -hmm. is what i named it um, so Tyrion convinces Cersei for a truce. Cersei sneakily is going to get the Golden Company, and she's telling Jamie of her plans. And he's kind of like, "Yeah, you're kind of a massive bitch." And he heads to the north to like team up with Team Danny. Um, <laughs> team Danny. <laughs> uh, Sam heals what scaly guys grayscale. Sejora. So Mormont. And uh, Bran and Sam make the discovery of um it was basically that snow is a targaryen and danny based off their information that sam got when he was in book club and when bran was like in the past and then danny and john are related so incest what else is new and then zombie dragon burns down the wall and drops the mic Yep, and that's what we were left with. That was my probably my other favorite scene. Yeah. Was this blue dragon spitting ice fire. Yeah. And just, yeah. So yeah, wait two and a half years When you level up your mount in like World of Warcraft and he's finally got a dragon. Yep. Good stuff. So now we get into season eight. Actually, Ryan, we're not going to get into season eight right now because... Yeah, because we're liars. Yes, we are deceitful human beings. Ryan and I were originally planning on doing the predictions in this episode, our favorite characters, episodes, the whole nine, but we figured out that it's running on to two and a half hours right now, and we don't want to inundate you with Utaka Brothers, Rusty and Ryan voices, because that gets pretty old pretty fast. Yeah, because the voice of the people have spoken, and they say they don't like three and a half hour long things. Precisely. So what we're going to do is we're going to wrap up here, and then Ryan and I are actually going to record another episode right now. I know we're that committed to you listeners. And we're going to release that Wednesday of this week, so you still have time to fill out your Game of Thrones bracket, which we will discuss, and I will probably post on the Discord. And if you're caught up with the show, then you'll still have time to hear what our predictions are, so that yeah, you know we don't, haven't watched the first episode, having you know shared our predictions, all that good stuff. Yeah. So, so. Uh, but yeah, yeah, thank you're you. welcome. Yeah, exactly. Thank <laughs> you for. Uh, yeah, we did a lot of stuff for you guys this week, and we were going to be, going to be we're going to be recording another episode next Saturday. So. We're talking about this for days, folks. Yeah. 
Uh, Ryan's stripping a little bit, taking off his his shirt. Good stuff. Mm. Well, it's good weather now. It is really nice. I'm wearing sweats. But uh, we want to thank all you fine people for listening. Again, if you went right into the show, Podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on, or follow me on Instagram and Twitter or at relewis2011 or go to the Discord. Link in the show notes below. Ryan, any parting thoughts? I will see you in about five minutes. All right. Winter's coming soon, folks. Later. Later.